0: Hey guys, Sarah here. Welcome to episode two of season two of Talking Fanfic. Today I have an interview for you, which is really exciting. I talked to X-Parrot. x wrote and is writing for a ton of fandoms, including Supernatural, The X-Files, and a ton of other stuff. But I talked to her today about her writing in Smallville. And you're going to love it. She is so much fun. She, just one of those people that's like me, that loves to talk, so I kind of cue her up on her questions, and she just goes. So sweet, so much fun, so excited about Smallville, and it's um, it's just nice for me, because I'm geeking out on this stuff right now, and even though she hasn't written for Smallville in a number of years, as she will tell you, it's one of her OTPs, her one true pairing, and she says, that Clax uh, or the relationship between Clark and Lex is one of her favorites of all time. So she's as excited about it now as she was back then. So it's a fun interview, you'll love it. Check out the show notes. I've got just a couple of um just extra stuff in there. Uh, most of it is what she mentions. I threw in another video there from a comic book store owner talking about Superman and why he loves Superman. And that's really fun. Um, there's a clip from the Justice League Unlimited cartoon. There's a link uh, talking about a comic book called Lex Luthor, Man of Steel, uh, which you've got to read. And uh, let's see what else. I don't know. Just Superman is my favorite, you know. And comic books, actually, if you're going to talk about fan fiction, that's what comic books are. Comic books tell alternate stories of the same character, Over and over and over again. And they change the character and the setting and the circumstances and they update them. um, But it's all working off of kind of a mythological figure. Superman is a mythological figure. He's um, the modern day, I don't know, what in classic mythology has been as big as Superman. Uh, Jesus, you know, there's some comparisons there. But that's what we have today, our, our modern mythological heroes. The closest you have are comic book characters, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, whatever is in the Marvel universe that I don't know about, (laughs) but those big three especially. And you can't get a better villain than Lex Luthor, who represents the peak of humanity. He's a humanist. And even though his ego and his hubris... And his kind of unquenchable desires for breaking the limits of humanity's intellect, uh, physical power, technological power. Lex is always trying to push the limits. And he is the most aware that Superman could be the world's greatest threat. He absolutely could. So we get into that with X-Parrot and why um, Lex Luthor is our favorite character uh, and why we love Superman so much. So without further ado, I will let us get into it. Please read String Theory at 1 a.m. by X-Parrot. And there's a few stories linked in the show notes, but String Theory is the one to start with. So thanks for listening, guys. Enjoy. X-Parrot, thank you for being here and talking uh, about your work with me. Thank you very much for inviting me.
1: I Actually, I've been listening... I haven't listened to all the episodes. I've been listening to some of your, to your show and I've actually, it's been really amazing. I've been really looking forward to coming on just because you've been talking about fan stuff and I've only been to a few conventions, but I actually was going to one last year, right before this, and then I didn't get to go. And I've been talking Fandom son because I live with my sister. And so that's what we talk about every night. But but I haven't had to talk to other people about it. And listening to your show and listening to the conversations you've been having, it's like, oh, those are those fan conversations. And you talk about like how deep these characters are and also how much you want to see them hurt. And it's like, yeah, I've been looking forward to it.
0: That's awesome. Well, isn't it crazy that like, I mean, the reason I started this was that I didn't really – I actually have a sister in fandom, my twin sister, Laura, and we're super close and that's really the one person I can talk to at any time about fandom and it's something like we spend so much of our time and our brain space in fandom and like the fact that this is kind of the first – you know, time in public, I've been able to like talk to people about fandom actually, and i I really have missed out on the convention thing. I haven't been to conventions, so I was hoping to go this year for the first time, and then the pandemic started. But isn't it great to like talk fandom with people and fan fiction, especially the first time,
1: yeah, the first time you meet someone is you realize that they're a fan and you have like, little. I've done it before. I mean you go to a convention and you're like, okay, everyone's there, but I once in a while my sister is much better. My sister meets people randomly out in the wild and will just like approach them and start talking about this stuff. She has no shame at all. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm somewhat different, but, uh, but the first, when you start talking to someone you're like, Oh, you, I, I'm into this show. And Oh, what kind, what way are you into this show? And it's like, Oh, you like those characters and you like those characters together. And also you read stuff and maybe written, and then you suddenly, it's like, wait, what else are you into? And what do you like? And what's into this? It's like a whole like snowball chain. It's a, uh, the the fan, the, the, t- the couple times I've been to cons have been really fun because you could just start those conversations off the bat and there's always even if like you're not in the same fandoms that's one of the things I found fun is I've I watch Cobra Kai, uh, and I basically like the first or second episode I was watching it going okay I don't need a new fandom right now I don't really I'm not looking for one however I really hope there are people on Ao3 like slashing them because <laughs> yeah that, that, that would be very sad if there's there there better be some stuff. <laughs>
0: It was immediate. Yeah, it's and it's like definitely the most popular pairing that's and there's a bunch of us. It's it's good fun. So yeah, I imagine the the convention like atmosphere is sort of giddy because yeah, you're all together. You're all geeks. You're all like minded. And then it's like, you're like me. Let's talk. And
1: I've never I've really I've only been to a couple like sort of like multimedia fan conventions of multiple of different things. And so I've and those ones are the most fun because you're all there for different things except for so there's a there's a local one around here that's like about 200 people, I think, or no, like 100 people. It's pretty small, but and so it's just a ho- it's just a couple of rooms in a hotel and convention rooms, and you basically but you sit around at tables and you, there's just like someone sitting there like doing something and you come up to them and they're like and and you're like oh you've got that like like your t-shirts for supernatural and it's like oh so wh- which which part is super what are you into and then you're like oh and when did you get into fandom and that that was the thing that got me is the conversations you have this starting out of like oh what when was your what was your first fan pick what was your first fandom is just it's the classic starting one. It's like everyone has a somewhat different story, but we all have things in common, and we can all recognize it. Which is, I love that part of it.
0: Uh, I love that part too. And well, that's a great place to start, actually. So, and actually, before we specifically say fan fiction, do you remember your like early like writing memories, or were you like a reader as a kid, or like what was it like growing up? I was. I was one of
1: those it's kind of sad now because as a kid I was one of those massive like 10 20 books a week was my average like I, I like all through high school I think I averaged probably around a book a day um and and now I read like three books a year I read a lot more than I that. know <laughs> but it's like me too it's got and I read news articles but I don't re- I, I miss reading the, the books constantly but yeah I um so I I was I was constant reader and I wrote stories in my head a lot. And if I had been on like, this is like I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, and so I wasn't online. If I'd been online, I would have totally somewhere, probably when I was like 12, I would have been posting the classic self-insert stuff because I, I never wanted to be romantically related, but I always wanted. I was always like, oh, this is a cool bunch of boys, and I'll be the cool <laughs> girl in the cool bunch of boys, and sometimes all red hair. Um, <laughs> the, the classic. And then I also wrote, I started writing stories in my head about like the characters and some of them were self-insert and some of them were like just telling stories. I was really into DuckTales when I was like 10 years old and I was writing like stuff about them and, and things like that. And then I started writing things down really because i had a dream i think i was like a freshman in high school so i was like 13 or 14 i had a dream one day and i woke up from it i was like that would be a really good book and then i was like wait a minute there is no reason i can't just start writing this really (laughs) good book so i started writing and it was this sci-fi story about two children involved with a secret experiment with artificial intelligence it was called binary it was was awesome it's like a weird novel with like these these teen kids fighting this thing, and it had it had elements of X Files and things. This was before I wasn't watching X Files. I think this was before X Files even existed, so I don't know where any of it came from. But I don't think I ever finished that. But it was that was the first I was writing it. And I was like, this is wait a minute, and I and my parents are always, were always really encouraging, and so I showed them. And they're like, oh yeah, you could totally. This is in fact what writers do, and yes, a lot of people <laughs> do it. So you could do it too. Um, so that was how I started writing. And then the fanfic specifically was—I got into reading fanfic again before online from Star Trek, and originally it was—I started reading the original Star Trek novels was the first thing I got into, and I didn't know those were fanfic. I'd never even heard of fanfic. I didn't know anything about that. But when I was like about 12 years old, I was reading a bunch of science fiction, and the sci-fi section in our library had uh, uh, Star Trek novels just thrown in the sci-fi we had a small town library the sci-fi section was literally just paperback novels and it was all labeled young adult because they didn't they they weren't science fiction but pretty much the entire young adult section was all sci-fi and fantasy and it was just they stashed everything there so i was reading like dragon riders of pern and orson scott card and ender's game and stuff and they also a whole bunch of star trek novels so i started reading uh, like mostly original track i started reading those and i got really really into them but the, what really happened is that I started buying them. Myself. I started going to used bookstores to buy them myself. A lot of them, they were. I, I didn't have any money. It was cheaper to go to used bookstores. And I found this one, which I actually took out. This is Star Trek: mm-hmm. The New Voyages. I think it was published in the '70s. This is a book. It's not a novel. It's a. It's a collection of short stories. And what I did not know at the time, because I never heard of this, is these are zine writers. These are zine stories. Oh shit! They're. They actually have like forward by Gene Roddenberry. They have introductions by the cast, but they were fanfic, and I, I think they I think they were written for this, but they were written by fanfic authors. This is they're not slash technically, but they're intense hurt comfort in a way that real like real published novels don't do. So the first time I bought this book and just ran, it was just randomly, like fun, and I was like reading it. I think my I think we were watching a movie, so I was with, like family in the dead and we're reading. I was reading this book, and I was going through like. Spanish conniptions because I was reading stuff like <laughs> oh my god there's these things that I have always loved these parts of stories are my favorite parts of stories but it's always like one page or two page that I'll like go back and reread because they're so good and like this is an entire book of them it's like wait a minute I am not the only person that likes this stuff clearly there is someone else out there like and it's basically there's it's it, there's hurt comfort story it's mostly hurt comfort I'm really into that oh, um, yeah but there's like the last story in this is like Kurt gets sent Kirk gets like tortured, and he gets sent back in time, and then he's like in an insane asylum, and has lost all his memories. And there's this woman trying to help him, and then this mysterious man turns up, and and, and he's like tall and dark, and he doesn't speak, and he's wearing like a hat over his ears, and Perfect. he doesn't say anything. But he's like his, but his face is unbelievably sad as he looks at him, and he holds him, and he, it, it's a beautiful story. Um, I didn't know it at the time. That was actually my introduction to fanfic was going. It's like, wait a minute, I'm not the only person that did this.
0: You said that that's Star Trek New Voyages? Star
1: Trek The New Voyages.
0: I think there's okay. a New Voyages too. Let me check. It
1: was published in. That's wild. 70- it was published in 76. So this was like. This was published a couple of years before I was born, and I bought it at some used bookstore. This is like a later publication, but yeah. It's also. It's got like a. One, I believe this is the one, one of the stories in here is one of the classic like universe switching ones that the actors go into the show and the characters come into the real world and things like that. Yeah. Like, but it's like the, the two, the authors are Sandra Marshak and Mar- Myrna Colbreth and I looked them up, and I'm pretty sure they're, yeah, they're actually, they were like zine authors. And I'm pretty sure most of the people writing for this were actually just writing zines at the time. And I'm guessing that some of them were probably writing Kirk box Slash, and they just wrote it more or less gen.
0: Toned it down and made it, like, slightly more subtle, and they're like, okay, just you don't have to explain it to the readers. They'll read into it.
1: <laughs> and that was, I didn't, and, and that was the thing, I didn't know about Slash at the time. Um, I didn't actually get into Slash for, until years after that. But... I was very always into her comfort, very, very intense friendship relationship kind of thing. Um, so that was my, that was my introduction to fanfic without knowing it was fanfic. And then a couple years later I went to college and then I could actually get online. And that was when I started reading, I think the first fanfic the proper fanfic I was reading, like online fanfic I read was for Gambit rogue. Um, there's a really long story that I don't remember now, but then I got into X Files that year, like my first, like in '97, yeah. and that was when I started writing it myself and posting on news groups because that was where you posted fanfic at the time.
0: I was gonna wonder because I know they had like, you know, X File X Files specific like archives, and it was pre Fanfic.net. One of my other favorite authors ever, Candle Beck, she was doing Mulder and Scully. Is she a Winchester? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I I Actually, it's funny because hopefully next week I'll be talking to Rivka T, which is another big Smallville author. Oh,
1: I I know, know, dude. (laughs) That's a score.
0: Oh, my. Yeah. Well, you're up there, dude. Like, okay, yeah, I'll talk about all that. But what was I going to say? Oh, she had shared some post on Tumblr that mentioned Candleback. And I've been, like, obsessed with Candleback for years and, like, have been able to – and not – I don't know. Just since she she kind of disappeared off the radar in about 2011 – haven't heard anything. And so it was like this bit, I was just like so surprised to see her, that name come across my Tumblr dashboard. And I was like, oh, dude, do other people know? Like, I'm obsessed with this author. Like, but yeah, the X-Files fandom, was that kind of a, uh, what do you remember about that fandom? The, okay, so the X-Files fandom was, I, I was in the weird case. So the X-Files fandom had factions at the time I was into it.
1: And it had specifically in the Mulder Scully side of the fandom, they had the, the Mulder Scully shippers Who's MSR, was Multicultural Romance. And then the No-Romos were the ones that were like, oh. and I was a No-Romo at the time. That, that has changed. Um, but
0: I kind of see the appeal of like that tension of equals. But yeah, at the same time you're like, it has to... <laughs> that's the
1: thing is, I've always been really into platonic relationships, but I'll say I'm, I'm into Jen and people are like, oh, you like plot stuff. And I'm like, no, no, I don't care about plot at all. I care about <laughs> character relationships is pretty much what i'm here for all the time it's just for me romance is never quite as interesting as other forms of obsession relationships and i'm an OTPer. my my way of fanfic writing is i will have two characters that i basically want to see interact constantly all the time i want to see how dependent i want them to be completely codependent and i want them to be not the same person except for for the other one they're in a binary star orbit such that they are they are a complete system together and that's pretty. You can tell this from my thick
0: Oh, I mean, what did I bet your mind was blown with Supernatural, like the Winchester brothers? Uh yeah, yeah.
1: Supernatural. Supernatural. I started watching first season about halfway through. Um. So that was. I Supernatural has been a very rocky up and down relationship with me.
0: Um, oh, as it has for everyone, I think. <laughs> that show is. I actually do.
1: I love Supernatural for being one of the only shows that has basically no romance as the the central core of the story like there is yeah. it's the only one of the only shows for adults i know that's it's not about romance but is entirely about relationships and about and about love and about how two, two people like care about each other and need each other and it's not romantic like yeah that's something i, I i'm really into supernatural but i'm also at the same time i'm very angry with it for so many reasons so
0: yeah quite honestly i um i know we're just like hopping around here but i um i watched the first five seasons every episode i loved the kripke original arc and then i tried to watch them as season six and i honestly just kind of fell off after that and i've watched sporadically a little bit since but yeah that, those first five were it for me the first, the Supernatural,
1: I will say, I was into Supernatural, yes, yeah, so I got into it partway through first season, I watched everything, and it was around seventh season, it was, no, it was, it was sixth season, it was the Solo Sam stuff, it was sixth season, that was when, yeah, I, I ended up dropping it, I could not, what it was doing, I didn't like. Years later, so in... I got into it in back into it in season eleven, which I would recommend if you like the first five seasons. Season eleven is my favorite season of the show, oh, to be honest. Oh like, shit! It is, it, and and that's the thing. And it, it, I will have the caveat because I got into it basically. I got into it because I saw a vid that had bits of had like an arc from season nine and ten. And um, the the, the Mark of Cain arc with Dean, and I saw I saw bits of it in a vid, and was like, hmm, this looks interesting. I went to my sister, and was like, I know we haven't watched Supernatural for several years, but this looks kind of like it might be uh, like a genre Rally. So we tried, we, we watched it, and so we ended up we were first watching it just fast forwarding to our to like the interesting stuff, and like we'll, we'll fast forward yeah. to the brothers and skip like all the plot stuff and everything else. And then we're like, you know, this is actually kind of fun. And so we got back and we watching, it and then we start, and then we watched season 11 and we were like wait a minute this isn't just like fun this is actually good we started we stopped like (laughs) fast forwarding through it we were watching like wait a minute no there's like amazing stuff season 11 is yeah it's my favorite season it has incredible episodes and it and the reason it is especially for like a fan of the brothers they actually are and it's just for season 11 but they're they're on the same page they're actually working together they have the most functional relationship of like pretty much in the show um the episode baby is my favorite episode of the show and it is because it's hilarious. It's also cute. It has like intense character moments combined with like comedy and it is, and it's just like, it's a monster of the week and it's, it's the Impala's point of view. And it's not that it's like the Impala speaks or anything. It's just like the camera is always just in the Impala for the entire time because that's like, but it's, it it closes the relationship down to just that, what happens in the car and what goes on. And it's, It's an amazingly done episode, and it also, like, fanishly is beautiful.
0: Oh. Oh, I would definitely have to watch that. I feel like Supernatural is at its best. I mean, the best moments were always, to me, the Sam and Dean brother moments and family, but I always admired them, and they were able to do, I think, because they were innovating on network TV in a way that maybe Smallville didn't have... The budget for or the imagination for. I'm not sure, but they're like their experimental episodes. Um, I don't know. Anytime they were sort of playing with like form or, um, just doing something different. Uh, and, and it always seemed like they had a great and more authentic relationships with their fans than, you know, and that was starting to get into like streaming. I don't know. It was just after Smallville was, I mean, there was some overlap. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but they they did some amazing work on that show. Oh
1: yeah, no, so it did a lot of stuff unique, and it was. I think it is really a really special show. In also too, and because Smallville started this, and then they and then it moved on to the CW network is one of the only networks on American television that is sort of it's aimed at female fandom in a lot of ways. It's aimed at it's aimed at female fans. It's like if you want to see the you you talk about the male gaze, if you want to see the female gaze outside like in american stuff like if you really want female gay stuff you go to like asian things in general oh yeah they, they've been doing it very hardcore they know what they're doing there um <laughs> but the closest we get in like american stuff to like really no this is what women want quote unquote but it's like no this is really it's like we we, we want our boys hot and bloody and like yeah. each other and crying that's like and they the cw is very aware of this so in a way that like most other things are I I always think of when the Lord of the Rings movies first came out, there was like the first movie came out and it, and it did really, really well. One of the reasons it did so well is because there are so many women going and everyone was like, why why are women going to this movie? There's like, there's no female character. There's almost no female characters. There's very little romance. And it's like, there's like a whole bunch of hot men running around having amazing (laughs) drama. It's like, if you don't think that women are in this movie, you, you don't understand what, what, people actually like here so and so what was the start of that is taking this the superman mythos and giving it more of like yeah the the fandom spin on it like especially the first couple seasons like yeah what what if it was superman but really slashy what would that be like
0: yeah absolutely um did you do you remember discovering like Smallville and like what were you just watching on TV like weekly or what was that first like? I, the, I discovered Smallville
1: because uh, the TV site Television Without Pity, um, I don't think it exists anymore it did recaps of shows it did. And so people, they had like professional, I think they had writers that were actually, I think they had paid writers actually, but they were, they were writing up like kind of like blogs, but really long detailed recaps of shows that were hilarious and kind of taking the piss out of the shows. Um, And they they had a whole bunch of different things doing it, but someone particularly like there was the reviewer for Smallville, who I believe was a guy got very early into the homerotic tension between Clark and Lex. And and I read a quote somewhere from one of these recaps that was sort of that was talking about basically the tension between them is like so thick you cut it with a butter knife, except for maybe you need a gayer type of knife or something like that. I can't remember (laughs) a line like that. And I was like, oh that sounds interesting. So I went and started reading these recaps. And it was just this is like in first season, I think originally. So I was reading like these first season recaps of the show. And yeah, this was back. This was two thousand one, two thousand two is when it started. It was a lot harder to. If you missed a show, you it wasn't. If you got into a show late, it wasn't really easy. You couldn't yet download new episodes of a show. There wasn't any really good way to get it. Um, I would get things. I'd been in fandom for a while, so I could sometimes I got things through like VHS trading and things like that. But Smallville, I didn't get into it much. So I started mostly watching it in first season, just as the episodes aired, and I started like partway through, and I actually. I only really watched the first season that way. Um, I, I can't actually remember why I stopped running it, but I was like, I was watching, I watched the show, I was reading the recaps of it, so I was keeping up with happening, and I was started reading the fanfic, and I got really into the fic for like a, a year, around 2001. And that was actually the thing I didn't, if you notice, only one of my fic actually dates from then. I wrote Achilles Heels, which is, it's one of the f- earlier slashfic I wrote, and it's one of the it's one of the more graphic. So for me, it's very graphic. <laughs> um, I'm not, I, I don't write explicit stuff. Um, I, 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 that, that's not my strong point. But that's so that's actually one of my more explicit pick. And it was and that one I remember I, I came up with this idea and I was like, oh no, this is so good, I have to write this idea. Um, that was the time I was commuting. I had like a train commute, and so I remember I was writing like in my notebook. I was I was when I was writing fanfic, because I was sitting on my commute writing writing these things fortunately i don't have to be embarrassed writing when i was i used to write stuff out far on him because he didn't have like computers and things i never had to be embarrassed yeah. because my handwriting is so bad that even i have trouble reading it so i never worried about <laughs> people looking over my shoulder they're like nope there's no way they'll understand what i'm writing so even if i'm writing like these oh my god he's like giving him a blowjob that's like ooh, that's so, <laughs> so i wrote that and then i actually got out of the fandom and i i can't I don't remember. I I think I I got into anime stuff around then. Um, I I was already into some anime, and I got into more things. And so I I just, I, I've always been a fandom butterfly. I get into things, and I'm into them like intensely for like six months or a year, and then I jump to something else. Um, I've actually been slowing down a bit, but I
0: still move. Yeah, your your fandom list is really eclectic. I love that.
1: Yeah, I get like I get very very obsessive about things for very short periods of time. The thing is for me is I usually. If I get obsessed about something, I sort of stay in love with it. I just sort of, it gets, it gets moved to the back burner. I get a new yes. love, but my old loves always linger. I'm always like, and I always go back and Clex especially is actually one of my ultimate OTPs. So I will, if you wreck me a good Clex fic, I will sort of just, oh, I'll read that now. Awesome. But what happened with Smallville, so I got out of it and then in, um, I guess it was 2006, probably, um, 2006 or 2007. I had to check my things. So I was living with my sister in Japan and she was bored and looking for fanfic to read. And I had, a, so Smallville had remained one of, I still read fic for it occasionally, even though I wasn't watching the show. And especially there's this one series, um, Landings Identical. Ooh,
0: I don't know that. I'm going to have to
1: definitely read anything. Oh my gosh. So this was one of my favorite fanfic of all time. It, it might be my favorite. It, I have read it. It's, it's one of the only ones. It, it's several stories. It's in it, it. This this individual stories are complete. The series overall is incomplete, which is and probably will never be completed. Very frustrating.
0: What's what's the series title again? It's,
1: the title is identical, and it's the author is Lanning. I think I'm pulling it
0: up here. Last I checked it was on IO3. I haven't actually looked. Yeah, it is. I'll I'll link that in the show notes for sure. Yeah,
1: okay. So these the, the identical series was started in season 1. It's like a, it's a, it's a canon divergent thing of Lex Luther gets Lex Luther's dad, uh, 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 Lionel replaces Lex with a clone. And Lex runs away and ends up with Clark and his family and he and the Kent's end up reluctantly taking him in. And and then he and Clark get together and then they're fighting a thing. And it was definitely moving towards it It, it was rewriting like a lot of, like the third it's because it started like halfway partway through first season. And it was sort of rewriting some of the later the couple later seasons after that. And then it was moving into like going into future fic and probably that like the Lex Luthor villain of the comic books is this evil clone. And then there's actually the real Lex Luthor is with anyway. So you, you can see it has influence on my other small fic. Um Oh yeah, that's awesome. And this is and another thing. So, like I said, I'm an HC fan, and it begins with like Lex is running through like the woods, and he's like die dy- like hypothermic and injured, and he's been tortured by because his dad was trying to get him to tell the clone like the secret codes and whatever things like that and then and then so he just basically collapses at the kent's and they have to take him in and they think he's gone nuts because he's talking about a clone of himself and then the clone actually visits and they're like holy shit no his dad is actually did oh my god and then they start start feeling really sorry for him of course and perfect so I I've, I've, I like I love this book. It was it's one of my comfort reads. Like if you know I can't sleep at night, I I would go back and read it. And I was always telling my sister about it, and she was like, "But I don't read Smallville. I'm not into Smallville." And then she was bored, and I was like, "No, no, no! Be, you, now if you're bored, you can just read this book, right? You can read it." And so she read it, and so she got obsessed with Smallville, <laughs> and and so then we started watching the show again. Um, and so we started, and that was I. I think
0: because most of your stuff is 2007.
1: Yes, so this would be like six. That was like six season, and that was when I was into, and so that's we were watching it all through six season. Um, so we watched we, and that was like then it was far enough along we could get download everything. So we downloaded the show. We were watching it. We have like I said, I have a very complicated relationship with Smallville. Um, most of my most of the things I'm into, I actually even if they're not the best shows, I really, really love the show. Smallville is one of the only shows that I kind of hate watch it sometimes. Mm -hmm. I love Lex. I actually really like Clark and his family and like the Kent family stuff, even though I don't like some of the choices they make. And then the high school stuff, the high school drama stuff, I cannot take. And also what they do (laughs) with Lex's character, I get really upset about. So I was like, I noped out of Smallville before Lex was killed. I went back and watched that one, I think, and I think we actually did go back and watch the final episode when it aired. But we had like we had not seen. I haven't seen, so I've never saw anything past around six. I think around basically past six season, other than like a couple episodes.
0: Yeah, that seems to be where a lot of people like you know. If you, it's like it's almost like the Smallville writers. We're doing such a good job with Lex. And, you know, Rosenbaum is, like, the best actor on the show, maybe with the exception of, like, John Glover. But Lex, is, as a character, is the best written, best acted. And then it's such a compelling friendship. And then they have to—they know they're going to have to ruin it somehow. And then they kind of, like, it's, like, I don't know. That arc, like, some people say that Clark Lex, Rise and Fall is, like, one of the best written arcs on TV. And I would disagree with that. Um, but but i love those characters so much but the, it almost like season 1 through 3 the friendship is growing season 4 is just strange but you start to see cracks in it and then they sort of have to like abruptly kind of like end it in season 5 and then a, and then he's just kind of a different person in 6 and 7 that's
1: i mean and that's season 6 Small, smallville we used to joke was like the rever there's the Star Trek movie phenomenon people used to joke about for a while. The only even numbered Star Trek movies are good. And Smallville was mm. like the opposite. It's like odd number Smallville series were good. So like first season yes. was amazing, second season was kind of mad. third season went back to being awesome, fourth season, yeah, it was just like what there's, there's witches? What 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 was happening? Fifth <laughs> season is again, is is actually like those good sci-fi stuff, but I had I have like theories about what happened in fifth season. And then sixth Season just, yeah, really went off the rails because they're like, okay, we need to make him a villain. Now he's a villain. Bam! <laughs> out of nowhere. The show almost has an explanation because the Zod event, like he got possessed by Zod, he nearly destroyed the world. And then sort of like, so then he has a psychotic break. And you're like, that, that's not actually unreasonable. You can kind of see that happening. Right. This season, we're watching it, and we kept going. It's like, listen, there's, like, good stuff here. But it's like, Lex is going back and forth between being, like, he's being really actually villainous. That's the first time he does things that are full-on just evil because he, like, tortures Aquaman and such. But then he's also, like, still trying to be friends in some ways. And then there's, like, the very end of the season. I am convinced that there was one writer in the Smallville room who had an arc for Lex planned out for fifth season. And this is why I actually have, at the time, I wrote... Not just fanfic. I wrote an incredible amount of meta about it. Um, it was on my live journal. That's all locked now, but it's actually still in my dream with. I called it the lex analysis because I got very obsessed about trying to figure out. Oh, I'd love going to on. read this. Okay. I can send you links to it. I can just, I can find that one. Basically what happened was we were watching it, trying to figure out what's going on, trying to, and doing the thing of trying to make sense of things. I've always called it screenwriter schizophrenia. It's an ableist term. I should change it. But basically, it's when characters flip between episodes because, like, there's different writers who will be writing a, a character. And it's like, and it's one of the differences between a better show and a worse show is, like, the different writers, how, it's like how controlled the writer's room is, how good are they like, at consistent characterizations. And Smallville is one of the worst for, like... Every writer has like completely different takes on the characters. They're not really trying to merge them together. So every single episode you watch, they're acting like different people. Oh yeah. And it's and and it makes it makes sense for me that Smallville's like that because it's Superman and Lex are existing characters. Everyone who came into that writer's room already had an idea of who these characters are. So even if they were like told, okay, you have to write them this way, they're still going to be overlaying their original interpretations mm-hmm. onto things. And my opinion of what happened to this season is there was one writer in the writer's room who I think is a Lex fan who was like, no, I have a. I of making, how to make Lex. Work and how to make Lex how to make Lex go evil in a way that makes sense and is like actually like true to his character and actually s- still sympathetic because he's a character a lot of people love because he's like you said Michael Rizvan the best actor in the show he's incredibly charismatic uh, he-, he just like his-, his energy when he's whenever he's on screen you're like oh I love it except for yeah, like you said John Glover is the one who like counters that because it's, like when he's on screen you actually you can hate Lionel but you can't oh you love to hate him oh yeah. yeah he's 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 amazing at that but and then that's why like the Lex and Lionel scenes are, like they're horrible. And they're also just, like, so gripping. Um, But what happens in fifth season, what we're convinced is that Lex Luthor decides that an alien invasion is imminent. And Mm -hmm. he is going to save the world from it at all costs. And he... And the big thing is especially... He thinks Clark is involved. He doesn't know how, and he has strong reason to believe that Clark is one of the aliens that are going to be evil alien invaders, saving the world, uh, uh, taking over the world, destroying the world. But and then he tests, and then like at the, the very beginning, of the season, he tests him immortal, and that's why. And Clark happens to be mortal at that particular time and so that completely throws off everything but either Clark is actually an alien and is trying to destroy the world or he's a complete innocent in which case like Lex would need to protect him from all of this and so basically Lex Luthor decides to sell his soul to save the world and and he does and that's and he starts like working with Brainiac and then it's the final thing there's like the, the final reveal that people don't really talk about is like he's actually he knew Brainiac was a threat. He was working with Brainiac entirely so he could keep that threat under control. And because there was like weird stuff with making a virus or something, and he was making a yeah. vaccine. For it. He does yeah. all of this. And then Brainiac uses him because Brainiac is, is super intelligent and whatever. And Lex always thinks he's, Lex is, is very, very smart. He's always thinks he's a little smarter than he is. It's it, that, yeah. That's that's a constant, that's a, that's like a character trait across everything. And he completely gets outsmarted and he, he becomes the instrument that nearly destroys the world. And and that would be why in sixth season, yeah, he basically like has a psychotic break and just loses any sense of morality. But that's the thing it's all of sixth season is that he's, he's doing these terrible things, except for he's clearly like, it's not that he wants to do them. He really is thinking of like, this is okay. I'm doing a little evil for the sake of like all of humanity, which I'm trying to protect. And the thing is, it's not that he's nuts. He has like really good reason to believe that there are, actual evil aliens, partly because yes, there actually are evil aliens in the world. He's totally 100% right about that. The only thing he doesn't know is that Clark is one of those aliens, but is not actually trying to take over the world. And if Clark could just talk to him, communicate, (laughs) they could have worked this out. Um, But the thing is, is even the fandom at the time because this storyline is is there, and it's, it's not in every episode. That's the thing. It's in some episodes much more than others, and, and especially a couple of the ones that Lex is, like, really evil. Um, so that's like, Cyborg is
0: that season two, I think. I think so. It's five or six. Yeah, and it's, like,
1: because and, and, and I'm pretty sure that Cy- he makes Cyborg in that one, too. And it's, like, and that's, again, it's, like, these like, doing these terrible things to people, but you're sort of, like, yeah, that's really evil. But on the other hand, you're talking existential threat to humanity you can you can see what he's doing I, I and obviously my fanfic i i keep dealing with this so in addition to the fanfic, I have these multiple lawn meta essays that are sort of doing this analysis both from like the like the, the, the Doyle side and, and the Watsonian of like looking in universe what's going on and then the outside of trying to figure out what was going on because I really am. I don't think this storyline was sold to the entire writer's room. I think some of the writers' room is doing it and some yes. of them were not. And I think that's sort of what happened with the show. Um just and then they were like, well, okay. I think, and then they they finish that, and they're like, oh, that was an interesting way to make him go like kind of go dark side, but for reasons. And then they're like, but but why would he stay dark side? Mm, let's that he decides to he falls in love with Lana Lane and decides to go evil because of that instead. So we're just gonna switch over to that plotline and, and then yeah, yeah. I, I, I can I can send you the links to them, but that's basically my that was my take on what happened in the show, and that was how a lot of my fanfic comes out of that part of it. So
0: yeah, especially thinking back on contingencies and really string theory when he's talking about the whole just just Lex's ability to like see. As you put it, like the whole tapestry, like where other people don't have that kind of ability, how their brain works. Lex can kind of see the bigger picture. And I love that interpretation of season six, because even in the comics, sort of the sillier, I think parts of his character in the comics are like, he's super jealous of Superman and he just wants him to die. But like, I don't, let me pull something off my bookshelf. Hold on. Um, have you read the Brian Azzarello, um, Luther, Man of Steel? Yes, yeah, that's the one. That's the one from a.
1: That's like ten years ago or something, right? Like, yeah, I haven't read many of the comics. That is definitely one that read that art is gorgeous in that one too.
0: It's gorgeous, and it's basically like you you get sort of the Superman story, sort of, or or like a week in Lex's point of view, and you really get in his head and understand that like. He will do anything for humanity, and it's a it's like a humanism. Yeah, that's because um, that's the one he's sort of like Superman
1: is like is holding humans back because he's like doing everything for us rather than and yeah, and he's also putting a, he's put a limit on like human endeavor because we can't ever achieve that. So why would we even bother? And,
0: he talked actually. There's a part that reminded me. So there's a line in String Theory at one. Let me just grab this.
1: Like I've definitely read is I've read Blue from Man of Steel and. Probably I read it right before String Theory, so it's really oh. likely I was deliberately pulling stuff from it. Uh, I I can't remember now.
0: That that's so awesome. I I fucking love this story. We'll just dive into this actually right now, if that's okay with you. Um, yeah, I I, yeah, I have to say, getting having you talk about things sounds like an amazing ego boost. oh uh, it isn't it crazy? Yeah, I I was actually I went on Fanfic Maverick, who is the only other person I know, and she's my buddy doing this sort of fanfic interview thing, but she had me on. And it was like this. I mean, some people are like, really have problems with maybe self esteem and stuff. And, and I, you know, I'm just like everybody else. I feel crappy about my writing sometimes. But I do find, you know, at just as a fanfic writer, you're always staring at your writing. And when you do something you like, it just makes you feel good to look at it. But you have to watch your ego, like it gets out of control. And she she had me on for one of my uh, stories that I'm, I'm pretty proud of. And it was like, I was just floating on a cloud nine for days. And when it came out, I was like, I said to my boyfriend, should I even listen to this? It's like listening to myself talk about myself. It's like the ultimate like ego mania. But at the same time, like even if you get comments and kudos, like you don't get to talk to your family about this stuff in a way that like they really get. So I think you deserve it. I will admit, I actually
1: can talk. My, like I said, my sister is my my sister. My sister goes back and forth between being my big, biggest fan and not being in the fandoms I am in, so she won't read my fic. Frustrating. And right now she's writing, she's been writing fic in a different fandom as well, that I've i been baiting for her, but I'm not really into it. So it's like, but we come and go into what we overlap and what we not. Anyway, I, I actually had... I lost my mom a couple years ago, but I actually, my mom was a fangirl. Um, oh, I'm sorry you lost her. That's wonderful, though. She actually, she wasn't into it when I was young. That's why I didn't know this. She actually, when she was in high school, writing Star Trek fanfic with her best friend. Fuck yeah, mom. We found that out, like, after I started getting into it and I was writing it. Mom was like, wait a minute, I used to do that. And I was like, wait, what? And she's like, she doesn't have it any. She didn't have it anymore. Um we actually used to get her into things, and she actually she actually wrote a bigger bit of fic herself later. She's got is pre Ao3, but she's got a couple things. She got like Sayuki fic and on fanfic.net. Um, she 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 died a couple of years ago, and she's actually one of the things because I miss fanning with her I used to sh- I would I would like show her things and talk about things the last show oh, we watched together was like the first season of Star Trek Discovery and so
0: oh that's wonderful oh my gosh but yeah it's
1: like but so I actually used to be able to talk except for there were some things my mom was more willing to talk about she'd be like oh I read that fic that explicit Hakai Gojo fic <laughs> it's like your friend that your friend wrote can you tell her it was really good it's like no no mom I'm not to <laughs> tell my friend that you like yourself." no <laughs> (laughs) yeah but so i can talk about it some that does okay that was that was a tangent i do want to talk about it still there
0: well yeah let me just talk about string theory because i don't know if this was the first one i read by you but it was certainly the one that hit for me i just i will inflate your ego as much as possible because to me this is like a perfect it's like the perfect one shot i think that the language is Absolutely beautiful. The writing is tight. There's nothing there that's extra. I find it a lot of times in my writing, I just start throwing sort of metaphor around, but the tapestry string metaphor is like so strategic and it's throughout the entire piece and everything kind of thematically relates and it's just absolutely gorgeous. So I just, a quick just applause and everyone listening to this has to read this and it's not one of your top kudos. I don't. Where would you rank this in terms of like your eighteen fix that you've written? I wrote eighteen fix for enough. I think so. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> okay. So
1: one one of the reasons it's not kudos and things is because all of these all my pick predate Ao3. Um, yeah. And so they were all put on. They were all posted on LiveJournal. Was they, was when we were the place we were posting at the time. And then I think there was there was com. There was communities on LiveJournal that you could link from. And so that's why. So it actually got really good reaction. And I had at the time. Um, so, and most, so most of the, the the majority of comments about it are actually on my live journal rather than on AO3. I posted okay. when I got in AO3 like 2011 or, or 2010 or 2011. I was an early adopter basically. Um, I, I I uploaded pretty much everything. I think when I originally uploaded my fic to AO3, the kudos feature didn't even exist yet, or it was just starting to exist. And so it's like some of my fic have like lower kudos than they probably would otherwise, except for people couldn't give kudos in the beginning. Um, yep. I, I now go back and stress about this. Uh, string theory is, it's kind of one of my favorites uh, just because, the, yeah, the metaphor is insane goes on forever and I'm... I really enjoy metaphors. I love it. If I read a fic or I read I read a fiction that has like a really good metaphor, I will like look at it and go, oh my God, how did you come up with it? Because I use a lot of really cliche metaphors all the time. It's like you hit him like a sledgehammer. Oh, well, I'll change that later and then I don't change it. Um, yeah. And so when I come up with a metaphor that's actually good, i like, ooh, ooh, I'm going to take this and run. Um, String theory especially is funny because it really, I think I have it in the notes I don't drink particularly at all because like, that one he's like he's like drunk out of his mind in it, and mm-hmm. I don't drink myself. But I achieved that state because I was writing it at like 4 a.m. <laughs> when I had needed to be in bed like three hours before. So I was the first draft of it was written. I was extremely sleep deprived and kind of in that hazy state of which you're like, okay, this, uh, I'm one of the things you're like, oh, this is awesome. I am the, I am the most genius writer who's ever existed. And I write down. <laughs> I, I read it the next day and go, where did I come up with that? That's actually it's one of those books I go back to now and I'm like, I I don't know if I could write that now. Like, I don't know where I came up with some of these.
0: Yeah. Sometimes it's like the right time at the right place. And yeah, you definitely tell you, it feels like you were in the pocket writing this and I'm not going to give it away, but you have to read it and sort of the structure of it and where there's sort of a twist and a turn. And you realize halfway through how you got to the beginning and just very roughly. Yeah. Lex is drinking. He's in his, uh, His penthouse apartment He's wildly drunk Out of his mind And I don't know You just have to go from there I was gonna uh, There's a couple parts I wanted to read real fast One of them was just because It really reminds me of The Brian Azzarello Luthor Lex is a great villain Because When written right You can understand where he's coming from why he would not be okay with superman he's a humanist first a sort of earth first kind of guy i,
1: I don't know for sure but i definitely read of at the time so i'm pretty sure it was influenced directly by i probably should have had that in the notes
0: <laughs> oh yeah well let me the, the part that jo- i'm sure there's lots of little influences the part that um there's just a little paragraph here that i'll read real fast he's drunk it's pretty early he's out on the um balcony looking down at metropolis Metropolis is very far away, for all that's right in front of him through the black vertical bars of the railing. A million lights spread out below, and the sky above is blank charcoal gray. It's the opposite of Smallville's night, where the sky was filled with stars and the cornfields were endless rustling darkness. There, he had to look up to see the light. Here, he can look down on it. He loves Metropolis. So, in the Azarella one, he's talking about Superman's perspective, he's always flying around and looking down on Metropolis. And in this way, he's kind of thinking that like Superman is seeing these humans as like small and puny. But what Lex loves about Metropolis is it's always reaching up for the stars, innovation, kind of like humanity is trying to be better. So that really reminded me of that. And it's also just a beautiful contrast of like maybe what Smallville was like to Lex. It was sort of this dark, lonely place. And Metropolis is like this full of life, glittering kind of jewel. I just love that part.
1: <laughs> that's I, when you started reading. I was like, "Oh wait, I know this part." <laughs> it's actually that's like one of my favorite bits that I've written. I think, To be honest, like in uh-huh. any way, I'm like really proud of that particular metaphor. Uh, I like it too, just what you said about because, like, Lex loves Metropolis and that thing. But I sort of and something I find interesting, really, cause about writing in general is like putting your res- putting myself into like Lex's mind because it's like I, I'm actually more. Like a country, like a wilderness person. Like big cities, I find a little oppressive. And I like, I find they're cool from a distance. And then I'm like, I, I find them kind of revolving at like more quiet places. And it's like the rustling cornfields and, and the giant star field of like Kansas. Something like, that sounds. That's more where I'd want to be. <laughs> but Lex is one of those characters that one of the reasons I find him so interesting to write is just because he is so completely different from me in a lot of ways. And so just sort of putting myself into his mind is, is a fascinating experience of sort of going, okay, what is it like to like love this different thing? To like love people and parties and loud things and and, and, and like the press of humanity being something that you're really into. And it's like, what? what that's an interesting. Because writing Lex's point of view, this is the one. This is the one fic I think. I think I wrote other things from Lex's point of view. This is the, the that's yep. the one fic that I was really trying to get that idea of like, he's actually, he thinks on a different level. He, like the, his mind works differently than most people's minds works for better or worse. And trying to achieve that is like, my, my mind doesn't work that much differently. It's like everyone's mind is different in some ways. But it's like, I'm not a super genius. I do not see things that way. But the advantage of writing is that you can, take your time to come up with things so a lot of stuff it's like okay if I spend like a couple hours thinking about this then I can put what's in his head for like five minutes and get the idea across Of like this is the way this is the way he sees things this is the way he processes um I have a thing for writing characters that are like genius level of whatever but I think a lot of us do it's you know we like our heroes to be like very unique and clever people um but That's what, like, the the story I wrote that feels like it's really trying to get, like, sort of that mindset across as opposed to just trying to, like, tell the story or whatever.
0: Um. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's sort of this fabric metaphor about him being able to see sort of seven threads of thought in any one time where maybe people have, like, seven words. And it, it goes from this, like, 1D, 2D sort of to like Lex is like sees in sort of 3D, which works. it is is like so great. If you picture fabric and you have like a warp and a weft, and I also love all the vocabulary of like weaving. I'm sure you had to do some research. I don't know if like you're a weaver, but I am not. I'm like, not
1: a weaver. I actually think warp and weft is probably something I've used in multiple things. I have. If you read like all my fic and all my different fandoms, you'll find I have very specific like I have words and phrases that I use yep. a lot because I'm really into them. And weaving the, the the idea of a tapestry and the idea of, of destiny and uh, being more of a tapestry and I, I always sound really pretentious because no no do it do it, it. it. You well the thing it. is funny is because like I don't I know I read a lot of random stuff so I have a lot like a little bit of knowledge about a whole bunch of things but I don't have like really specific knowledge on everything so it's like I yeah. know some Greek mythology so the idea so the idea of, of, of the weaving of destiny is from like the three fates and such, and, and
0: oh yeah, that's even better. <laughs> so yeah, I'm,
1: I'm obviously whoever did the mythology of like Clotho and Atropos and such. Um, they uh, they're the ones that really came up with that idea, but it is yeah. It's, the tapestry metaphor works well for just reality just because it's one, it's the idea of many threads coming together it's everyone's different lives, but it's also because you have sort of a plan for where you're going, but you don't actually know until you're doing it, like, what is going to happen when you're actually weaving something you're going to get knots and the thread's going to break and you can't predict any of that, so it's like even if you're the weaver and you're the one like f- like going forward th- with this you are still actually not completely in control of the process and what you're making is going to be something organic and original and not something and not actually completely what you were no one can actually make exactly what they had planned and that's sort of the idea of destiny is like destiny is sort of a direction that's going one way but it's like it's not it actually can't be fixed because there's no way to actually predict where it's going and and especially for like lex i feel like he, lex is the one he, he wants to be the one making the tapestry like he wants yes. to be in control of it and that's, it's not even an evil or a good trait it's more of just he, he he needs that kind of control he thinks that and he thinks that what he's doing is going to the right thing and he'll help things um he might or might not be right about that but this and that's the thing is that clark is the one that throws that off
0: completely yes i was gonna say he's the one that makes kind of the knot that Yes, he's the he's the he's the
1: he's the he's the the unbreakable thread that's like that also just knots up with everything and that Lex can do nothing about he can't even like he can't cut it he can't do and it's just it's going to end up wound with his and he can't change that. Uh, So that's so beautiful. Yeah. So that's a. Uh, but that's definitely the the the, the 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 tapestry warping and weaving is. Yeah, it's definitely one of the things. Yeah, that's taken from Greek mythology, <laughs> which is Greek mythology. I should say, from my point of view, is filtered through like Neil Gaiman, Sandman, and actually Piers Anthony's like incarnations of immortality way back when. Um, so it's my own take on these things. I have like it's like multi generations of fandom and influences. So yeah, I I have a lot of I put stuff in like that, and then I'm like. If I ever talk about this, it'll sound so pretentious, and it's like I don't really need pretentious well, because this is just a different form of fanning for me,
0: anyways. It is, and if and to write Lex, you need you need literary references, you, but especially historical Greco-Roman kind of like Alexander the Great. That's how he thinks; like he thinks in um, archetypes and yeah, the, the whole like destiny thing. He's like an intense guy. He talks
1: about destiny. He talks about myths and legends. Like he's like, and he and up, and it's partly because there's the meta level here of Lex Luthor is a mythological figure yes, in modern yes. times, like completely like, he, like the Superman. The, the, and that's one of the things that makes it fall. I think especially fun is like all comic book heroes in general, superheroes are a modern mythology. We, they, they fall in modern myths. but of all of them, I mean, Superman is arguably even more famous than Batman. He's like, the, yes. he's, when you think superhero, the first thing is Superman with his symbol and his cape and things like that. But then if you think, but Superman is sort of interesting because of like, if you think Superman Lex Luthor comes really it's Superman Lois Lane and then Lex Luthor it's like he's he's higher up in the higher like most of the other superheroes you don't think their villain the, their main villain is yeah. not the first person you think of even if you think of Batman it's like you're gonna be Batman and Robin and Commissioner Gordon and and Alfred and things you can, like you think of his whole thing and then you'll get to the Joker but then you can yeah. also have arguments over whether the Joker is his main villain or who else is uh i mean i think okay most people are going poker but
0: it's like it's not it's like superman and luther like that's it's this two they're the two what's well, not because it's like and it's a classic because it's like it's the
1: brains and brawn type of thing it's mm-hmm. Lydia. and honestly, I, I, smallville went through because of the route that came out of the 80s of like making making Lex luther into like a rich and so it's like the farmer he's like he's literally like, he's like the american split he's like the urban versus the
0: rural like yeah. conflicts and things like that he's all he's the aesthetic opposite of everything clark yeah
1: He's simultaneously, he's like, he, he's like the elite versus like the, the real Americans going to cope. But then he's also like the one percenters versus everyone else. So he's like the different, uh, they're they basically, they're, they're the opposites on just about every way they can do them which is why you want them together.
0: Yeah, there's always yeah, there's always the aspect of sort of Superman saving Lex. and But uh, there's an interesting thing you do too as well with the dichotomy between Clark and Superman and the way that Lex views that dichotomy. And you it's kind of compared with certainty and hope. And classically, we think of Superman as hope. But in this case, there's this sort of thing going on where um, Superman is certainty, 100% guaranteed. And Clark is like this kind of unknown variable for Lex, which actually represents both like hope and despair, which is this sort of experiment things comes in, which I won't go into because it's like this beautiful kind of twist. But I don't know, I just love that you sort of like, yes, Clark and Superman are sort of the same thing. But to Lex, they're like, not really. And which is Clark's whole complex, probably as well. But the fact that it's Superman's not really the source of hope, it's really that Clark is and hoping that he'll come through. So I don't know if you had that in mind or but I just thought that was beautiful. That was That's that's something that's that's, something that's in all I think is
1: sort of Superman is this fascinating concept I find because if he was real, if he really existed, he's kind of terrifying because he's like, he's God level powers. He's beyond even, he's beyond any human level of human power. So he's like, he's not even like a, a, a WMD or something. He's beyond just any kind of thing. He's got more power than any not just humans, but human organization, human government like he's more powerful than nations and things. He can do. He's he's a god. He can do whatever he wants. Uh, and. And that's terrifying. Like, if that was yep. real, just think of one person. It's like we already—it's frightening already when you have one person who gets a lot of power, and, and you're like, you want to have some control there. And he's like, there's very few breaks on him. And so it's like, and that's like Lex Luthor's whole philosophy, or at least one, one version of like, like that's his thing. If, yeah. like, this is terrifying, and it's like, and that's the part that I find It's like, no, but really, I I do understand that. But at the same time, the reason it works in the story is because Clark is a good enough person to handle that power. And that's something I find interesting. Is I'll see you'll see people talk about like superman's a boring hero because he's not he's perfect and he can't do anything wrong and i'm sort of like no no he 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 has to be perfect if he's anything less than perfect he's a monster and a nightmare Mm. and like he's he's like he's like one of your worst fears so it's like if he falters from that and that's that's one of the things i find interesting is try is what i find interesting about clark putting aside like lex is just the idea of on the one hand he's raised as a human being he's got like the minds and emotions of a human being and 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 he makes choices he makes good decisions and bad decisions like a lot of small because like a freaking teenager and so of course he's 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 going to make mistakes because you know that's kind of what you do growing up but at the same time he's got this power and this thing smallville kind of does because he doesn't he doesn't have his full powers. He doesn't really understand exactly how powerful he is. So, in Smallville, mm-hmm. he's just, he's strong. He can do crazy things, but he's not that, he's not like omnipotent, basically, level or close to. And he's not, and he also, and he even doesn't even realize exactly how far he can go and how different he is and what he has access to. So, it's, which is good for him because it's allowing him to grow up more like a normal person. And the thing that's interesting about Superman is Clark having that humanity is sort of essential for Superman because Superman, for him to be that godlike figure, he still has to have mercy, he has to have compassion, he has to understand, like, the people he's helping, he he has to be doing it because he cares. Because... He needs to be able to listen. He needs to be able to engage with people to actually understand how he can help them the best. And so he needs that human side of him. And the problem is the human side has to be imperfect because humans are imperfect. So there's this, there's always there has to be this conflict between the Superman, the power there has to be wielded by like absolute good or else it can become evil no matter what, like, it, it can be just, it's just too dangerous otherwise. So it has to be real, but absolutely good, except for, and it's, but it's under the control of like this person who's just a normal human being who just basically is has to try to be as best as they can be and and that's why and that's why I see like and in my mind that's sort of like that's why Lex is sort of torn because he doesn't he fundamentally he can't trust that like Lex yes. especially doesn't trust people he doesn't trust humanity he does not think he and it's his personal experience is that humans are not good people
0: <laughs> yeah he's like this advocate for humanity but he's known especially in Smallville his history yeah absolutely that makes sense yeah he's known as like and, and that's
1: the thing of Lex is in, in Smallville is sort of interesting because he actually does have he's very idealistic in some ways so he can like he, he sees complexity everywhere in terms of people he tends to be pretty black and white about things like he tends to put people in good categories bad categories he thinks of his mother as like she was she was a saint or whatever like that and his mm. little brother things and then his father is sort of things and then and that's why and clark is like the constant one because when he met clark clark saved his life to begin with sort of Lex saw him as like, yeah, he's like, oh, he's this genuinely good person. Like, like his mother is like, he's like, I haven't met that many good people I've been around yeah. all these other people. And, and he he went this fast story. He went to boarding school and he met all these assholes and things like that. And, and then he meets Clark, and Clark is this representative of goodness. And that's part of what happens too is because he, apart from all the Superman stuff, Lex himself needs to see Clark as like an ideal. And was,
0: yeah, he gets his hopes up with Clark.
1: Yeah, exactly because he and because he has that sort of black and white kind of thinking of like sort of okay, this is a good guy, and as soon as Clark like fails and does anything that's bad, he immediately starts doubting. It's like, oh, oh, there aren't any good people at all, anything like that. And so so even if their relationship was apart from the Superman stuff, they'd have a really complex mixed up stuff because, and it's partly, yeah, like Lex needs therapy. He needs, like... Yes, he does. Because <laughs> he's got some... He's He's got a lot of broken patterns in there that he, he needs to work out. Um, and, and, and the problem is Lex thinks Lex is not going to go into therapy because he thinks he's too smart for it. He thinks he can think his way out of these things. Yeah. He's-, he's
0: had some pretty bad
1: experience with some therapists as well. <laughs> yeah, the, going into therapy in the Smallville universe <laughs> is probably not the best idea. Because Don't do it. They're going to drug you and then zap you. And also your father is probably paying them to do that. <laughs> So Lexotherapy instead is copious amounts of alcohol, which is not gonna help anything either. Yeah. Most of my favorite characters I spend a lot of time going, oh, whoever their whatever their name is, oh Lex, oh Rodney. Oh Jennifer. I know. <laughs> just uh, that's, that's that's like my favorite character type is super crazy badass, smart whatever, who are also complete basket cases who really need like, yeah, years and years um, and years. Can
0: we can we talk is that that's a good segue to exchange student? Do you want to talk about that for a second? Another one of my favorites. Oh, I forgot about it. Yeah. So some of my listeners will have seen the... Uh- Yu-Gi-Oh, which was, uh, what am I trying to say? Not a ma- manga, but it was a Japanese cartoon.
1: It was, it, technically, it was a manga first, uh, Then it was, uh, which is the con- manga's comic books. Um, right, and then anime. And then they made an anime, and then they dubbed the anime, and it was pretty popular in America as in the dubbed form. And I am extremely snooty and obnoxious, and mostly got into it from the manga. And really it was the translated manga. I could uh, My Japanese is... I can read it in Japanese, but not very well. Hell yeah, but, uh, I, 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 but I so I was mostly reading the translation. So I mostly got into it through the manga, um, and then I get very. I never really watched. I watched the anime in the Japanese. I never really watched it in the dub.
0: It's pretty silly. Like, I only experienced it on Saturday mornings, you know, uh, on UPN or whatever as a cartoon. Um, and we'll still tie this pretty close to Smallville, but basically Exchange Student is a crossover and it's really just a character study of Seto Kaiba, who is this, like, also kind of a, uh, multinational corporation CEO tech billionaire genius, um, who is like, the most probably the most interesting character on Yu-Gi-Oh, in my opinion. I used to ship him and um Jonuchi, so I was a Jukai shipper. But the the brother kind of dynamic between Mokuba and uh, Seto is uh just all kinds of fic writers dig into that. Um but yeah, this is like a boarding and I don't know if you specifically say this is um Excelsior, but it's assumed it's Excelsior Academy. Definitely meant to be excelsior. Okay, you might actually say it. I was rereading it. I've read it a couple times, but
1: I, I actually can't remember to be honest.
0: Yeah, it was definitely it's definitely meant to be excelsior. Yes, and uh, so Kaiba is a Japanese student, and uh, he's studying abroad for a semester to kind of improve his English. And uh, I think you mentioned that Gozaburo, uh, and I might butcher some of these names, but I'm never sure what the emphasis is in Japanese. This is the problem. I never watched the dub, and I. Because I, I know a little Japanese, I tend to do
1: more the, the Japanese pronunciation of things, and so a lot of stuff we there's more Ameri- there's more standard Americanized versions, so I don't know what the standard Americanized versions are.
0: I know, and it's funny some of the characters they made up American names, and some of them they keep sort of the Japanese. It's kind of a mess.
1: That's the thing is weird, cause, yeah, because Nochi is Joey in the series, partly because yep. Nochi is really hard to say. Um, but then Kaiba is, is Kaiba Seto, is Seto Kaiba, and that's that's his name in Japanese, which is – Seto is actually a really strange Japanese name anyway, so I don't mm. know where that came from. Um, yeah, Ka- Kaiba is actually one of my all-time favorite characters as well. I always – he's He's interesting because in the manga he starts out, in, not really in the in the anime. Because the anime starts a little later in the story. In the manga, when he first is introduced, he's a villain, and he's a really annoying villain i hated him when he was first introduced he's a, like i was so and the, the original you because Yu-Gi-Oh is mostly about this crazy card game uh makes no sense even, it's like this is completely it's like it's, it's a tradable card game and actually it is, i think it's a real game it's a game in real life they were sort of the manga was just the, the thing was to sell it. it was yeah oh yeah it's merchandise The original manga was not actually like that. The first few volumes in the manga, they play all sorts of different games. Um, Yami is like he's just a game player, so he plays all sorts of games. And there's one storyline in like the third or fourth volume that's just like this, like this, like couple chapters long about this stupid card game. And this stupid villain comes in and plays this stupid card game, and like he traps his grandfather's soul into something or whatever, and and rips up his cards, and there's dragons. And I was like, and I was reading, I was really into this story, and then. So Kaiba's, and he's like a villain thing, and, and then he gets his soul shattered, and yeah. literally, because that's what Yami does, um, because the series is weird, and he wakes up, and he's in a coma for a while, and he wakes up with the sort of a new lease on life, and he's not a bad guy anymore, he's not exactly, he, he's a rival still of the main character, but he's yeah. actually like, one of the things, he, he, he has a little brother, and and then he, so he wakes up and you find out his tragic backstory, which was that he was like, he and his little brother were adopted by, they were orphans and they were adopted by this crazy billionaire who wanted an heir. And so basically tortured Sato, like, like kept him up all night, like studying. And like, there's a shot with a guy with a writing, with a writing crop who's like standing over him and he <laughs> studies his books and things. So it's like, yeah, yeah. anime and manga like goes, like goes to the next level when it comes to like oh, yeah. character backstories. It's kind of amazing for that. And, and so, yeah, so Kaiba was, was like, he was broken and he was turned into this sort of monster thing. And then he wakes up and he's sort of like, he's still pretty damaged, but he's trying to find a new path in life. And he also is like his little brother who we went in, who he sort of is rejected. He's like reinvented to say, like, no, he's his caretaker and he's going to take care of him. And that's going to be one of his major purposes in life. Um uh, for the exchange student, so the crossover fic, is because I was like, it was like, like Kaiba, and is one of my favorite characters, Lex is one of my favorite characters, they're very similar in a lot of ways, I have very, I have specific types that I'm into, um, for characters, and I was like, they have a lot in common, and they're actually around the same age because UVO was done was like an older series, so it's like they're tech, like actually it works. it works really well. It's like they were mm-hmm. both around fourteen or fifteen at the, same, at the same time. It's like so they could have gone and and Kai was definitely he's like part of this international. He's gonna be this heir to this international corporation of things. So he could have totally been sent overseas to learn English. Uh, and of course they they, they 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 get together, but they can't really get together because I am an OTPer, and so yeah, like Lex is never going to be
0: happy with someone who's not Clark um. yeah it's it's really interesting it's just like one of those fics that it's like not a slice of life isn't the right word but it's like a moment in time it's like this one this is a couple of months Lex is like interesting because this is Lex it's he's lost his mother and his brother at this point Julian um, But and he's like yes he is rich and the other kids at the school know he has power but he doesn't have friends which matches up to smallville cannon and Kaiba comes in and he's like, I mean, he's not the easiest guy to get along with. So he's also immediately a loner. He's an asshole for sure. I love him. He's a raging asshole. I would never want to meet him in person. Oh yeah. And so, you know, Lex at that age is like, he has charm where Kaiba doesn't really bother with that. And he immediately kind of sees Kaiba as an sort of an interesting person. And then Lex, uh, his encounter with Kaiba kind of peaks Kaiba's interest. Like this is they they end up playing chess at lunch, and um you know Kaiba can see that Lex is sort of no slouch, and where he's used to just wiping the floor with everyone, he's uh, so they sort of they immediately kind of strike a chord with each other as sort of simpatico, and like these like two sort of alien type alienation type characters like have something sort of in common, which is, ends up being a lot in common. Um, but I feel like you have a great author's note here I'll read. Um, you say, I've said it before that I fell for Kaiba because he reminds me of Lex. Brilliant and deeply disturbed casualties of their sadistic father's damage and their own ambitions. Kaiba is the more culpable of the two, having chosen his path rather than being born into it. Ironic, then, that he's the one to eventually rise above his darkness while Lex is ultimately damned maybe it's because Lex is Destiny's puppet victim while Kaiba has always forged his own or maybe Lex just needs someone to shatter his heart which is like so sad <laughs> but yeah and also i think the the brother thing is important like Mokuba is kind of that redemptive force for for Kaiba and you see that throughout the sort of the, the manga and the show like he's always and there's a great scene actually i've had a hard time like picking out what to read for this one if you don't want so there's um there's a bunch of stuff i circled um there's so Mokuba call they're playing chess they've maybe messed around a little bit um but they're uh they spend a lot of their time just like hanging out playing chess and video games and talking about kind of their destiny and future um oh yeah so here's a scene yeah so Mokuba calls and it kind and they're playing chess and it really sort of throws Kaiba off and Lex can see like the, he becomes this whole other person speaking to his brother and yeah. Lex knows enough Japanese to kind of piece together that Mokuba's is just missing Lex and calls him and Kaiba's like you can't call here like it's dangerous cuz yeah. uh Gozaburo's in the house and um but this whole time Lex has been trying to beat Kaiba at chess and, and you know Kaiba's a grandmaster or becoming a grandmaster and Lex is good but there's and there's this whole like common yeah, thing with their ambitions and their need to win and like winning is like – and I think that really that Kaiba kind of um either reminds Lex of his – that he's kind of the same, that he's going to need to beat his father. Uh. And, you know, ultimately that's probably killing his father. Um, But he needs to win and it's like tied up in survival and stuff. But anyway, this sort of competitive thing with chess is great. So I'll just – and it's a little bit of a long – uh I have a few paragraphs, but I was like, I can't just read one. So um, I'll just read that real quick, if you don't mind sitting back and enjoying your own words for a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so Kaiba just gets off the phone uh, with Mokuba. But he was distracted, Lex saw, shooting glances at the phone at his laptop, not giving the game his full attention. And this might have been Lex's chance, but it would be an empty victory. Not a situation he could replicate again. False proof. An experiment counted for nothing if the results could not be reproduced. So when Lex rose to relieve himself, he was careful to bump the table with his knee such that the board flipped off the edge and scattered the pieces. He apologized and helped Kaiba collect them, but when Kaiba suggested recreating their positions, Lex protested that they couldn't be sure. As a matter of fact, he had the game memorized and knew Kaiba did as well, but when Lex said, let's just have another game later, Kaiba accepted the offer. Lex went back to his own room that night, slipping in through the window to avoid being caught out past curfew. Kaiba hadn't refused him, but he hadn't been paying any more attention to Lex than to their chess game. He might have trained his body to respond, but whatever was under those scars and cold anger was untouchable, unreachable, at least to Lex. Lex had built his own walls long ago, his father the architect, instructing him in laying the foundation, but he had been stacking the bricks himself for years. He was safe behind them, protected. Kaiba's walls were as high as his own, as thick and strong, but he left room for someone else behind them, left a gap someone could climb through and join him. Hurt him. Odd for someone as smart as Kaiba. Atypically naive. When Lex slept that night, alone and cold in his dorm bed, he dreamed of Julian, dreamed of his little brother calling him at school, eager for him to come home begging him to come back to their family which is like beautiful and it's just like yeah that sort of like ability that kaiba has left a little chunk of his chink in his armor for mokoba to kind of access his humanity and but Lex doesn't have the, and that this whole thing is too i'm just gonna like uh, gush for a second the whole piece is like great because it's one of those and this is i think common in fan fiction because i'm always trying to figure out like why is fan fiction so awesome why am i obsessed with it and I think because you have this like existing canon in your head and you know what's going to happen to these two characters and that Kaiba is kind of going to redeem himself and Lex, if you go by Smallville and comics canon is not, then it's like just full of this like dramatic irony where the audience knows what's going to happen, but these characters don't. And it, and you just like, I don't know, it just makes you feel all the things and hope for Lex. And, and that's what's so tragic about Clark is like he's almost this second chance that like Lex didn't have with Julian uh, to like form a human connection and a brotherhood. And then he gets this chance with Clark and maybe even on a romantic sense for us collect shippers and it doesn't work out. It's just like, Ugh. so yeah, that's why I love this piece because it gives you a chance to explore that similarity between Kaiba and Lex, but then the differences and what's going to happen to them.
1: That is, I gotta say that's completely, I totally agree that about fanfic, like that is one of the things that makes fix. So, it's such an incredible experience to read and one of the reasons i'm so into it is it really is there's a whole bunch of stories you can tell with it and you can't really tell with any other fiction because yeah it's the, it's the pre-existing knowledge of that's why it's like alternate universes like the alternate universe type of story that tell that even if it's like in a separate universe but it's retelling the same beats and things it's like it's this, it's this fascinating experience to read it because like you know where it's going, where its destination is, but you don't know exactly how it's gonna get there. But the anticipation of what where it's gonna happen is like you can't get that in anything else because if you're reading this is great to read a novel that you don't know where it's going, you don't know what's gonna happen, but it's different when you're reading something and you're like, oh, oh, that's a reference to this. And yes, and this is one of the this story, one of the things I this is one of the things that's having fun with it is it's all from Lex's point of view, so he doesn't know Kaiba's full story. And you, yes. and the, and that's the thing that I kind of enjoyed about it is, it depends if you know Kaiba or not whether when you're reading it because I think some of the people who read it didn't really know Yu-Gi-Oh, so they don't really know what's going on with Kaiba and what it's referencing, and there's like some says it's referencing and so some people are in like Lexi are in Lexus position of sort of just trying to figure this character out at the same time but then I think yeah I think it's a better experience when you actually do know Kaiba and you're you are seeing uh, other levels he's not seeing there's there's something in here that doesn't if you don't know like the full Yu-Gi-Oh thing because Mocha being like Kaiba's saving force is true but this point in the story is actually in the manga, Kaiba betrays Mokuba pretty badly. He like nearly gets him killed, um, and he's and this is this like this is something that even like if you're if you're just a fan of the anime, you don't know because this is it only ha- it's a part of the manga story. It's right, it's. In the manga, Kaiba's is trying to get revenge on like Yugi and his friends, and he and Mokuba's, like helping him do it because Mokuba's little brother, who, he's his little brother, he idolizes his big brother, he'll, he'll help him do anything. So Mokuba's this little bratty kid who's also trying to do things, um, and so he sets up oh, Mokuba does this game against them that's meant to like lo- to meant to defeat them, except for Mokuba loses, and the punishment that 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 like that Yugi was supposed to, and Yami were supposed to get from losing the game was like being sent into this. It's like there's this, uh, this sort of a holodeck that was meant to drive you insane. It's, it's a really <laughs> it's, um, it's super like, it's weird. Like it gives you like these vision things. Like it's, uh, but um, it's like it's sort of like a, like a psychological torture thing, and the, the, that was that was the penalty for losing the game. And so that was what Yugi was supposed to happen to Yugi, except for Yugi wins and Mokuba loses. And Mokuba's like, "I, uh, 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 what's going to happen? And Kaiba's like, oh, you lost. You're getting punishment. So he just throws him into this thing. Damn, and the only reason Kaiba. Mokuba survives is that y- y- Yugi saves him from that. Um, and then Yugi goes and has like this epic card battle because Yuji know, Um with with uh, with Kaiba and Kaiba loses that one and Kaiba's punishment for that one is he literally gets his soul shattered like <laughs> Yami who is magic just goes bam. It's pretty fucked up. <laughs> But then that allows Kaiba has to put his soul... So it's like, this isn't metaphorical. This is literal. Kaiba has to be like, is in a coma for a while, putting his soul back together. And when he puts his soul back together, he wakes up and is like, oh, I was wrong about... is I, okay. <laughs> like, actually a supportive person to me and I really shouldn't... I should be protecting him rather than, you know, trying to get him killed or... Um, and that's actually one one of the reasons I really like Kaiba is because he's got, like, this intense burden of guilt, among other things, because he did become that person for a time, and he nearly yeah. killed, like, the person that's important to him, and he's coming back from that. And, like, Mokuba forgives him because, yeah, little brother, and his big brother loves him again, and so he's, like, he's found he's with him, but Kaiba's always got some issues there with that. And so that's actually, this, this story is before any of that has happened. And so it's when Kaiba is still like cares about Mokova, but he's starting to separate himself from him because partly because it's just, it's literally dangerous. Mokokova can be used against him and Gozaburo his their stepfather will have their, their, their adopted father will have like no trouble, like, Hurting Mokuba or anything to make Kaiba do things like that's uh, yeah, because he's like that. Um, and and in the same way, Lionel probably, if Julian had survived, Lionel probably would have been using the brothers against each other. Like, that's like almost definite, um, because Lionel's like that. (laughs) yep. Um, but that's the part. But that—that's sort of the element of the fanfic I like. Is sort of when you're reading, it, it's like, so so Lex is seeing Kai is trying to get to know Kai and trying to understand him, and then he's still missing that that level, and he doesn't actually, and that's and yeah, and Kai actually, same way as Lex goes dark side, Kai actually goes dark side after this, but then he he gets redeemed, he comes back from it, and that's also sort of the hope for Lex is that in Ka- eventually maybe he can get in my in my future. Eventually he'll meet Clark and Clark will be able to like get through to him and get behind his walls and like
0: I mean Clark is Superman, so if anyone can do it, that's the great thing about this canon. And you know, there's so it's like the comics and you got Smallville, like there's all these kind of like alternate versions of canon in sort of these comic book fandoms. And I love the tag that you see on some stories is uh Canon has been lovingly scrapped for parts I've ever <laughs> seen that it's really common in the Batman fandom, and it's like perfect. You're like Especially with a show like Smallville, which, as we've said, is infuriating, and it's like the highs and lows in quality, and you just love, you love the characters so much, and then you're like, they have these insane episodes, and you're like, well, I'm just gonna ignore that ever happened, because that's fucking crazy, and like, like I'm writing one now, and like, it's kind of like, it's actually not Superman and Lois, which actually, we'll maybe talk real quick with like this mortal coil, but it's like present day, and um lana's living in smallville uh so i have it that but and i was like well should i try and explain like lana turning into a she has like kryptonite embedded in her skin and Clark can never be around and it's like no just fucking forget it that was stupid and no one's gonna give a fuck if i like don't include that in canon so i can't remember what I was going with, but it so you have all these infinite possibilities of like well lex can still be saved even to me what i'm trying to do with my story is like I still have Lex pushing Lionel out the window, um, which to most people is like the death, like the ultimate. It's actually, Sim. push Lionel out the window. Oh, I hope I haven't spoiled. That was the end of season. Yeah, I, I am not going to go <laughs> and watch that. Okay, no, I'm not. So at the end of – so this – I can't remember what all happens in season seven, but the big thing is this episode called Descent. And I guess, yeah, hopefully if you're listening, you know what happens or like ignore – like turn it off now. But Lex – um, yeah, Lex and Clark are enemies at this point. Lex has been married to Lana and then uh, did some fucked up stuff to her and they're divorced now. But it's like Lex is on this dark path. But Lionel is actually – And this is like one of the compelling parts that you can pull out of canon is that Lionel is helping Clark and he's trying to help uh, protect Clark. Um, But Lex is on this kind of weird uh, path where he's been sort of told by a brainiac, probably similar to like in season, I think six, he thinks he's saving the world. So he's been told that there's this thing called the Traveler and that's going to destroy the world. Um, and there's that sort of whole nutty, like Veritas fucking, uh, retcon that I don't know what they did. But anyway, uh, Lionel's trying to protect Clark. Lex is trying to find the traveler. And I think he sort of knows it's Clark, but he wants to find out for sure. And he knows Lionel has the secret. So he confronts him in this episode called Descent. And oh, it so said you gotta, I'll, I'll try to send you a clip or you gotta rewatch it because it's so good. And it's like Lex is basically like, uh, has this like last conversation with Lionel, and um, I can't remember everything they say. But he's like kind of you know just confronts him with like you, you know terrible father and stuff. And he says you you chose the traveler over me, as in he knows uh, Lionel's trying to protect the traveler. And uh, and then Lionel does this last hail Mary where he says he tries to appeal to Lex's ego, uh-huh. and he says you're the traveler, Lex. You're the one. And you can just see it shut down in Lex's eyes. Like, he was going to tell me the truth, but he, and Lex is like, now we have this term called gaslighting, (laughs) which is like everybody, like Clark and Lionel have just lied to Lex for seven years, and he's fucking sick of it. And that all goes into Lex's like problems with his psych, uh, his um, psychosis and his sanity. But anyway, he grabs it. He like, uh, he has his gun and he shoots the window out and he grabs Lionel by the lapels and he says, "'You raised me in your shadow,' Now you're gonna die in mine. And he oh! shows Lionel up. I I feel like I'm like ruining this for you, but it's so good. You have to rewatch it. I'm sure you've seen it at some point, but I I, I might I'm like I, I might have actually I
1: don't remember this. I don't think we watched this.
0: I only the only the, the only bits I can remember
1: watching is uh, th- th- there's one part that like that the, the fortress of solitude is like collapsing and like oh. holding it. Yeah. And he's like, like I so love brother. Like, yeah. And that's the one that it should be past tense except for it's
0: present tense, and you like, so, like Rosenbaum did that. Rosenbaum I think ad libbed that line. He either changed it to present. Or he made up the whole line. Yeah, I think it's like a lot of things. It's like I don't think you understand what brother, how brother is love, Well, maybe you love each other like a CW brother. It's a like thing. a CW brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, mm. uh, there's so much sexual tension in CW brotherhood. It's so strange. Oh my gosh. But um, yeah, that's the, so that scene that's scene, that's also like a huge thing is, yeah, that, so Lex then tries to, he still thinks he's trying to save the world. and He thinks Clark is going to be the end of it. So it's really compelling. Like you said, like you're kind of like, well, you could understand if he really thinks that Clark's going to destroy the world, then he's like sacrificing himself. Like he doesn't intend to survive the fortress oh, collapsing on the thing him. That gets me of Smallville oh. is they sort of set up like one, early seasons they were they did this thing that's like Lex is
1: doing something so it must be kind of evil because you know it's like Luther and he's a bad guy and you're like no he's not what he's doing here is not particularly evil and also science isn't evil like a lot of the early stuff he does is like you're just doing science it's yeah. not sometimes it goes badly but that's kind of how it does. I mean usually it doesn't go badly Is splitting you into two people one's good and one's evil but <laughs> but he didn't know it was going to do that it's And so they had the problem early on. But then they also, later on, they just started having him do things in which they'd be like, oh, he's doing this thing. And like, okay, yeah, this thing is really evil. But then you're like, he genuinely believes the world is under threat of alien invasion. Also, the world is genuinely under the threat of alien invasion. But the show is still playing. It's like, yeah, but they've got it covered. Like, Clark has got it covered. So Lex is just being an idiot, and he doesn't need to do this. And they are like... Lex doesn't know this. Lex thinks the world is going to be destroyed and the show always is playing it as like, no, Lex is kind of like he's just, you know, he's crazy and he's egotistical and he couldn't shoot it. And you're like, well well, he is those things, but he's also right about the world being in peril and... He's right
0: most of the time. He's,
1: yeah, he's like, he is trying to stop these incredible dangers and he's missing a crucial variable, which is that Superman is actually on the side of humanity. Um, But he doesn't know this. The show sometimes plays it like you're not supposed to have as much. You're supposed to understand Lex. He's supposed to be understandable and somewhat sympathetic, but you're not supposed to be on his side. And there were definitely times I was like, given the information he has to work with, and also given that Clark is sometimes good at things, but a lot of times really bad and makes mistakes. I might be siding with Lex here, actually. Like, oh, yeah. I, I have to think, I am a villain. I'm a villain fan. I've always been a villain mm-hmm. fan. I When I was like, eight years old, I read Chronicles of Narnia, and it was really sad that Aslan didn't make friends with like the witch, the winter witch, because I was like, she just seems lonely and want friends. Can't you just make friends with her? You really have to, anyway. So I've always been a villain fan. Usually I like villains. I'm not exactly a villain apologist because I'm also like, I understand why you did that. It's still a bad thing and you really have to like apologize and feel guilty for it later and make up for it and do things like that. And like, I love Loki from Avengers. I've written a whole bunch of stuff i loki's really messed up it doesn't justify a lot of what he's done anyways like he really he's got a lot to make up for he's like really, yeah he, he's done a lot of bad things lex is like he's done a lot of bad things but i'm a flex apologist in smallville at least because i'm still like oh, he's yeah. done a lot of bad things but his reasons were so justified that even with his issues and everything like that and even though he needs therapy and he's got a lot of things i'm still like no really he needs he uh I kind of might be siding with him here a lot of the time just because of the sake of like saving the world. And I live in the world and want the world to be protected from uh, the aliens. So, yeah,
0: I think a lot of the time it does feel like, as you said, the show is kind of trying to, I don't know. You can never tell what the writers think you're going to be thinking, but it feels a lot like the stuff that Clark says and the decisions he makes and the, the direction the show goes that maybe they expect you to sort of be agreeing with Clark. Yeah. You know, it's just like, no, like he li- he's he been lying. Like there's a few scenes that are just so harsh, like Mortal or the, the times that Clark is kind of confronted and the timing is perfect so that Clark can kind of prove that like, no, I'm not special. But he like really digs in the Lex like, is this what you think I am? Like, hit me, hit me, Lex. And there's this one scene with a hammer. And I think in season one or two, yeah, he's like, hit me with this hammer, Lex. You can hurt me with this just, like, if you hit me with your car. And he's, like, such an ass about it. And I'm not – that seemed like a mistake to me in writing because I think Clark would be scared and defensive. But that was, like, really going way over the top with it to me. In my –
1: the worst stuff with Lex, I feel like in terms of – in that stuff of, like, the show misstepping with what they're – what side you're supposed to really be on is third season because among other things, in third season, there's that bit that Lex finds out about Clark. Like he finds out that Clark is in fact yeah, like the thing. shattered
0: uh, episode, yeah,
1: yeah. And he finds the secret, and rather than like turn Clark in or try to use it against him, he keeps it secret when he's, like, being committed to an insane slime, and, like, his father wants that secret, wants to know, and he's, like, literally zapping Lex with, like, the electric things, and Lex will keep the secret for Clark, because that's how much he wants to protect Clark, and that's how devoted he is to it. And then, because he gets after like that, and I can't remember what else happens, he loses his memory, and so he loses his memory of that, and Clark, despite having proof that Lex can be trusted with this secret, <sighs> decides to not tell him. And that's the point that I'm like, no, that that's and again, I don't fully blame Clark. Like Clark's reasons make sense to me, partly, and they get away with it partly because he's still a kid that he's a teenager. Yeah. He's like eight, 17 or eighteen. His parents are telling him, and it's actually and that's the thing, is even there's a lot in the fandom, at least when I was there, that, like, Jonathan Kent is a, is is an asshole and, like, is, does unforgivable things. And I, And I'm sort of... I can understand Jonathan's position in a lot of ways. Like, he, he yeah. makes sense to me as a character. I get why he is... He's really trying to protect Clark. He really doesn't trust Lex, which is justifiable. Like, I actually understand his side of the thing, too. So within yeah. the show, like, all the characters, like, what they're doing, I actually understand where they're coming from, why they're making those choices. But at the same time, in the context of what they wrote in the show, it's like, okay, I understand why these characters did it. That doesn't mean that they did the right thing there. And the particular thing of, like, like Lex finding out, proving he can keep the secret, and then not. And then there's the episode of later in third season, I think it's Memento Mori, is the mm. one that he's doing, like, the experiments. There's, like, the mind experiments. of trying to yep. go back. That, that's the break I have. That's the one point I can't take. I, I really, like, 100% on Lex's side, not Clark's, because they're doing these weird experiments with kryptonite not using it on like clark lex is using it on himself to yes. try to like bring back his memories that he because he know he lost this this last time he's trying to get the memories back clark doesn't want him to get those memories back because those are the memories of his superpowers yeah. and things so he's trying to stop it um clark ends up working with lionel to stop lex from doing this thing and then clark gets like because lionel's evil and betrays clark and clark gets kidnapped and then they're using kryptonite so they're actually going to be using the kryptonite on him and so he's in like the green tank green or whatever, tank. and then Lex, fi- Lex Finds out, comes in and saves him That's used in every single music video, because he like dashes the glass, and Clark yes. falls out And he's like wet, and Lex is over him and worried And then Lex, in the end scene, like Lex Comes and tells Clark, like, okay, I've destroyed everything Because it hurt you like that, and then like, whatever happened there That was like, Lex- and Clark is like Yeah, you never should have done that though, because it's like You were basically just like your father Of doing mm-hmm. these experiments you like, <laughs> you were doing experiments I yourself, if you were doing Them to random people and especially be like you know, because the employee, the way they talk about it is like he was like mind experiments on like random people that 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 would be very immoral. It is not immoral or unethical to do experiments, even very dangerous experiments, on your personal self. Yeah. like he was doing it only to himself. The only person in danger was him. He was fully consenting to the danger he's putting himself in. And it's like it's like no, you were allowed to do that. And the thing is, Clark invoking that you're like your father is like that's Lex's worst nightmare. He's oh, not like, it's fuck. He's, that scene is and so it's Clark saying that it's like I can get around that I can understand what Clark is doing somewhat kind of but that's the part is like no Lex is right there
0: you are wrong that seemed like a misstep on the writers I don't think Clark would have said that like he knows yeah that's the part and that I think I think that is like that episode that scene
1: it still gets me it's been like 15 years and I'm still like it makes me angry (laughs) like I'm like I'm angry for this fictional character because it's like he was done wrong here um
0: Oh, they did Lex dirty in a lot of ways, I think. But the, but is that particular scene is like the one
1: scene that I really... There's no way to justify it. Nope, you were entirely 100% on Lex's side there. And, I, and it's just a single episode. I think you've heard people just watching the show and not if you don't watch it with like the fan lens you, three weeks later you've basically forgotten that scene even happened if you're watching it with like fan focus and you're watching and and, and relationship focus and you're into like the clark lex relationship you remember every scene they've had between them and that's the scene you keep remembering that's and you keep going big back one
0: like, like everything they have after that you're sort of like in the context of like okay so lex has done bad things but clark you did bad things too <laughs> Uh, you're just, just to speak briefly about the right of truth, which is your number one kudos. Uh, and like you said, the kudos numbers are all kind of fucked up, but it's like the ultimate fix it fic. It's like, and there's, there's a lot of fix that do that, but where Clark kind of realizes that really lying to Lex is putting him in danger. And Lex cause Lex is smart and he knows something's going on. So in that one, uh, Lex gets kidnapped and, uh, sort of put, it's found out that um, they want to know about Clark. And so they ask him about it. And he has to kind of like maneuver his way around to get out of the situation. And thankfully Clark shows up. But Clark sort of has this, finally this revelation is like, yeah, like this is dangerous for Lex. Like, And I love the scene in the kitchen where he's talk. it's like a classic Smallville scene where there's Clark's having some dilemma and he talks it out with Martha and Jonathan. And I'm with you where like, I know there's a lot of fans that hate Jonathan. But to me, I mean, Clark is Martha and, and Jonathan's world. Um, and he, and they, they are, they can't imagine a world without him. And they're trying to protect him. And they're sort of always in over their heads as far as knowing what to do with his alien kid with powers. So I, I too can understand like why Jonathan is so, cause like Lex has so much power. And Jonathan knows that if. If Lex wanted to, even though we you know, like, oh, Lex is, you know, Lex just wants to be his friend. But if he wanted to, he could make, he could ruin everything for the Kents. So I understand that. Um But so I love that scene in the kitchen in the right of way where they talk it out. And Clark is finally like, he realizes like the crux of it is that lying to Lex is putting him in as much or more danger than telling him the truth. And it, in fact, at least he's giving them some choice and whether they want to be around him or be his friend, um, So I don't know. Is that one of the first ones you did or the last fic I did actually. okay.
1: Um, Yeah. It's one of the, that's one of the last things I wrote for Smallville. Um, (laughs) you mentioned compact that one's, that that was a little on the long side. I feel like it could, it could have been, it could, the same story probably could have been condensed. It goes on a bit. Um, but, and partly I I admit that some of it is like, there's like Lex is getting beaten up and things. And I, I'm an HC fan. Oh,
0: Oh, it's perfect. Like wump, wumpy, indulgent. Like I loved it too. Yeah. Um, so he, I mean, he's
1: in like a freezer, isn't he? In that one, that's so <laughs> yeah, like, he's like, like a, a meat locker. Yeah. He's being a bad hypothermic. Like, oh, two first. Um, the uh, the main thing and like the conversation between Clark and 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 the, the Kent's and Jonathan Martha is actually sort of that's mainly the main reason I wrote the fic because it's a conversation I've had because. I like superheroes. Identity porn comes as a superheroes. The idea of that contrast of they have a secret identity and p- some of the people they know know it, some people don't. The yep. the conflict is, and it's like especially in like an, in, in terms of a romantic relationship, there's a lot of tension there. The thing with identity porn is that it it especially the way it's done in TV shows, it can get really really frustrating because yeah, not telling people when there's not a really good reason for it. And that's thing I actually really admire shows that managed to construct it such a way that there's a good reason for not telling people um, like that's the problem with Smallville is he constantly is saying, Oh, I can't tell them because he's protected them because and you ha- and they kind of have to say this because he's Clark Superman. He's supposed to be the good guy. He can't just be doing it selfishly to protect himself. He has to be doing it for the other people. Hmm. And the argument is that they always present as like, Oh, if they know your secret, then yes, other people will be trying to get the secret out of them. And so they could, they could get in danger because of that, except for you're like, But that makes no sense because if anyone suspects that there's a secret, they're not going to know who knows the secret or not. So anyone close to you is going to be in danger. And if they don't know the secret, and that's the, the, this is, I mean, it's in the fic. I have this whole conversation because I used to, I I would rant about it. My sister and I would have these long rants. It was literally just that conversation out loud. It was like, I, I, and this is, I got to give credit if the um, CW later, they did Arrow. The first season of Arrow had a setup that was, I was really impressed because they managed to do it. He's actually killing people in the first season of Arrow. He's, so he's committing homicide. Mm. So anyone he tells the secret to is then culpable for, like, they could be, like, assist- like yeah, the, 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 they could actually be legally... Like, like accessory to... Accessory, that's, accessory, yep. that's what we're looking for. They could be accessory to homicide. So telling them that secret is actually putting them in serious, real-world jeopardy. Like, it's like, that is actually... So it, this is a dangerous secret. It is dangerous to tell. <laughs> There's other things I've watched that have, either because of that kind of situation, so sort of dangerous, or the characters, like, psychology as such, that it's really hard. There's a couple... my my favorite c drama chinese drama that i'm into that i've been writing for the last couple of years has great identity form because it has a character who's keeping a secret actually keeping a couple different secrets um and the show does like perfect timing of when it comes out and how it comes out so it's just at the point you're going oh this is getting frustrating it's gone from being kind of fun to see that kind of playing back and forth and he doesn't know to getting like no they're getting close enough that he really needs to know and and in the reverse of a lot of things the thing that makes Smallville really frustrating is some people in Smallville know, some people don't. That some of the people Clark is closest to, like that he cares about, like romantically, Lana Lane and Lex are like the last people he tells and it's really yeah. frustrating it's like, you care about this person so much they're so important to you but you don't trust them this much yeah. and it's like and and the show I'm into is Guardian is like the first person who finds the secret is actually his like his love interest um and so they and so then and that gives them like a special like bond for a bit so they have that thing there's another there's a cartoon Ben 10 that I I I love Alien Force Ben 10 is like a teenage, he's a teenage superhero, yada yada. He goes on a date with a girl, like he's got a girl he's got a crush on, and then he has superpowers again. And then he goes on a date with a girl and he's trying to like do the thing of having a date and trying to save the world from alien invasion at the same time. And at the end of the episode, he ends up just telling her who he is because he's like, ah, this isn't working. <laughs> okay. I'm just this, and she's like, "Oh, that's that's weird. Cool." Um, and it's just like, "Thank you." It's kind of it's,
0: refreshing.
1: It was it was super refreshing. It was like that's so satisfying. It's like, "There, you go. this is not the way I expected this to go." And yes, finally, someone did it. And that's why. And so that Smallville does the identity porn is fun sometimes in the beginning but later on yeah like you said gaslighting is the word it becomes very much like lex knows almost everything and he has and he has a right to know because it's not just a random secret he's an integral part of the secret he lost his hair because of like the meteor that came down he's been saved like the reason he didn't die and clark didn't die when they first met because he hit him with the car was because clark is was actually superpowered and could save him and things so it's like Lex has always been part of this This is actually Lex's secret too so he really has a right to this information and him trying to find it out is not just randomly because he's a nosy person it's like no this is part of his story as well he wants to find out he's literally trying to get his memory back sometimes so it's like all of this stuff makes it very much it's very hard to watch Smallville and be completely on the side of oh yeah Clark has to keep this secret even though Yeah. yeah
0: there there's that scene where they're um lex try this is like uh i think the beginning of season four where there's some tension but they're not enemies yet and lex shows clark the room uh, the line i love that the writers put in he's like i know it's hard to believe but this actually isn't all about you yeah there's so much in my life that i can't explain yeah and then it's like yes but then the of course the set decorator is sort of go against that, cuz there's a ch- there's like four giant pictures of Clark's face and just his- <laughs> and you're like this is such a creepy stalker
1: have you heard i don't know if they're still calling it it was called the cock for a while it was the chamber of clark kent Oh, no, I hadn't heard that. So that was for a while. It was you know, like you'll see it written in C lowercase O, C, K, uh, uppercase CK. Yeah, that's <laughs> so,
0: hilarious. I feel like there's so much fandom, like on Krypton site and stuff that I missed, and just early fandom that, like, I'm like, hey guys, I'm here for the party. And it's like 2020. And it's like, oh, Sarah, you like missed so much. But, you know, thankfully all the good fic is still here. But that's I an mean,
1: advantage of AO3 is you can find it all. It's because like, all of it was on, um, there was an individual archive for Smallville, at least – I think it was a Slash archive. I think it was a – I don't think it was a Clex. I think it was a Slash archive for Smallville, which I can't remember, which was uh, moved to AO3. Like some, like. some
0: Oh, yeah, the import. Because uh, some of those authors I know I've talked to, they're like, oh, actually, you know, it says I have twice as much fig as I have because they had already uploaded their stuff, but then this Smallville Slash import or something. Yeah, I actually uh, – my f- – I actually
1: deleted like my fix that the import. I don't think the imports link worked because I already had them up, so I ended up mm-hmm. deleting them. And so, the, but I don't think anyone nice. uses this thing anyway. So, and actually, Ao3 I believe, worked that out. I think they have. I've been involved with Ao3 before, um, like uh, the volunteering stuff, and so. Oh, mostly, cool. the ta- mostly the mostly the tag link side. I was running that for a while, but um, the I, I, w- I did a little bit with like that archive, the um, the archiving and the taking stuff in, the importing. And so, yeah, and so that's been when they moved, when they imported the Smallville one, that was still some problems. They've actually worked out some of the details, so it works better now. But yeah, but it does mean that, yeah, all that, because that was like 5,000 fic or something was on there. And that was where you could get all your, that was where I was reading everything back in the day. So it's good to have it still all there and accessible, which is, especially
0: because Kleks has really good writers. Like, Dude, I mean, I've been reading fan fiction since, you know, I was like 15 or something, but and I'm 30 now. But I've never, I hadn't really found a fandom with like community until Cobra Kai the past couple of years. So I'm really close with those guys and they have great writing, but it's like new. But somehow it was just like just like this revelation to me, like digging into this Smallville stuff. It's like just the quality is like unbelievable. It's had 20 years to sort of percolate and you know so the the good stuff tends to come of course now if you're writing now with the popularity down you're you're less likely to get kudos and stuff but like well it's also
1: and it's also just fewer people are because fewer people go to it regularly to read
0: yeah, yes. part of the thing it's like because it's, it's, yep. it's an old but like Astolot, Rivkati Rage Proofric Severus, Punk like there's all these like there's just like this punk is what I started following Punkin yeah sorry yeah and and they wrote um a lo- uh, several fics, I think, uh, with this other author called We Are Many. And I can't remember how they d- um, they did this weird little fic that's like – I don't know if you've ever read Dave Egg- um There's a novel. Anyway, it's by Dave Eggers. It's like a memoir sort of novel called um, a Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius. Oh, I've never –
1: I've heard of it. I've never
0: – Yeah. It's kind of a weird like sort of style format. Um and they did this like Smallville fake in that style. And I remember just like f- randomly finding that because one of them had written for West Wing and I was like on a Sam Josh kick or something. And then I was like, oh, Smallville, fuck, I haven't thought about that show. And I read it and I was like, this is like really innovative, cool, like fiction. And then that just got me down this rabbit hole and I was like, holy shit, these authors are like, these are like rock stars. Like this is like the quality.
1: Smallville has really good. Smallville has really, really top-notch stuff. Like the best of Smallville is, is amazing. There was there was a lot of really good writers.
0: Well, and people were writing, right? Like when before DVDs and even before downloads. So like some of those guys had to like record them on VHS if you were serious about it. The first the first few seasons, yeah, was before because like I said, when I got back into it in like
1: 2007, it, you could download it all. But yeah, when I was first watching it, I was watching it weekly. I swear like the first episode I watched was something in first season and I didn't even, I had this problem for a while that I would get into because I used to, now I'm more commonly, I watch something and then I get into the fandom, but before, I got into several shows from fanfic that I'd be reading. Mm-hmm. That I was reading, And it partly was because it was like, especially when I was in college, it was, I didn't have a TV. So I had to go like X-Files. I would go to like the, the, the student union and sit in a little group in front of the TV every week yeah, to watch, yeah. to watch the X-Files together. Um, when you got into, but it was interesting because you'd get into a show and then you couldn't get the episodes right away. I got several, and that's thing is it used to be VHS t- trading was a thing that used to happen. Um, I didn't do it with Smallville, but I did it with a uh, Stargate SG one, um, quantum leap, uh, X files. When I first got into it, cause X files, when I got into X files, I was fourth season. Um, and Memento Mori, I think, was, had just aired. And so my sister saw it and was like, oh, my God. She like called me at the phone and like, you have to watch this show. I was like, they worry about each other. They are so... <laughs> that, was, that was the thing that got me in it. I was like, no, you have to watch it. They worry. Um, a slight tangent, my sister and I, this is one of the reasons I was really... When, when the fact that you fan with your sister makes me really happy. Because just, mm-hmm. yeah, my, 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 my biggest fan partner has always been my sister. It wasn't when we were... She's four years younger than me. So when we were growing up, we were like not much in common we like never really talked we didn't have like we didn't like fight or anything we didn't have like any relationship at all and it wasn't until like the end of high school uh i was writing thick in like my journal i was writing thick for gargoyles um fuck yeah dude oh i love that show so much and i was writing this, this incredibly epic gargoyles thing that never got posted anywhere because this is, i wasn't posting stuff i was just writing it in my journal i was writing it just for myself um and we got to talking like somehow it came up that like she that we could we watch Gargoyles together and we talked about it sometimes and it was mostly like we didn't really talk about we talked more like the plot and where the story was going we didn't really talk about the relationship so much and how much we liked like yeah and it was like, I was really into Fox Xanatos. so and we started talking and I was like no and and I, it came up was like oh okay there's a couple episodes that I rewatch, like I have them memorized I have rewatched them so many times I had them on tape the VHS tape so I used to watch and then and my sister was like no wait I do that too and it's like oh that scene the, 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 that bit that you like, the, no I love that scene too and it's like wait a minute well I've been writing it do you want to see it so I like read my sister online she's like oh, this is amazing you were writing Aww. this stuff and so that was how and so that was and then I went to college like the next year and then we were by that point we were basically we went from not talking at all to talking like a long distance on the phone an hour a night to my parents Aww. my parents were combination going like well I'm glad they're getting a lawn but their phone bill is not so But but that was why my sister saw X-Files and like called me was like, No, no, you have to watch this show. It's so good. X-Files at the time, we got into it, it says fourth season, you could get some of it on VHS. They sold like these like box sets, but it was only half the show. It would be like random episodes that they'd decide. These are the good and mostly it was like the 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 episodes, like the two parters and things. So it was like, so we could get those, but we couldn't get the whole show. And we could only see we could see like and you can't you couldn't get videos or anything, so, and they didn't have animated gifs weren't really a thing back then, so it was like only like you get like still shots, and you could get some audio clips. Oh uh, yeah, and then and then otherwise, but then we found someone who was willing, who had like all the episodes of VHS, who was willing to like dub the VHS. So they they copied the VHS, sent us the VHS, and it happened to be because they'd gotten it from Japanese DVDs, had like or or. or Tapes, I guess it was VHS actually. Japanese tapes had everything. So it was like we watched X Files and it all had like Japanese subtitles. <laughs> for the whole thing. It, was like, it was like in English. It was in English, but this it all was subtitled in Japanese, which was so like, I didn't know that was before I knew Japanese, so I didn't know any of it at the time. Um but it was but that was how we got a bunch of – that was how we used to be watching TV. And so, yeah, that was true of Smallville back in the day is the only way you'd have it is if you were, like, taping it off of your television.
0: Like, you got to work for it. And I think something about that effort does something. I don't know. I think, I think there is something to it because
1: it's – well, it's also because you don't – a lot of times you won't have all of it. So you'll tape. You'll only have a few episodes on tape. So those are the episodes you rewatch. And so those are the really good ones. Also, you have the thing of literally – I like I'll rewatch certain scenes. It'll be like this would be a five-minute scene, and this scene is amazing, and I will just go back and rewatch that scene when I like you need to pick me up or something. Oh yeah. If you do it on VHS, the tape starts getting damaged. Oh way. yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's like okay, that scene in Sentinel where Blair nearly dies at the end of season whatever season three. I'm like yeah, the, the tape gets all woogey at that particular part <laughs> because we have rewound it so many times.
0: Uh, I love something about the physicality of that like you've loved it so much that you're wearing it out, and we're we're losing those like substantial kind of evidence of like everything's like- cl- it's in the it's gone from online to like now the cloud like yeah, and so now it 's like everything is yeah and and, and that's the thing it's it, i mean it's fun in some ways you're like, oh,
1: I like that scene, I can just go look it up and find it occasionally it's like more and more there was a period of time that it was like some stuff would be available and some stuff wouldn't. we're getting to the point more mm-hmm. and more like especially if you know how to go to BitTorrent and things like you can get. Pretty much anything you want will be available somewhere. So, yeah.
0: And it somehow, yeah, it loses a little bit of yeah. the, value the magic to of me. it. Yeah. The yeah. Well, um, I have like some sort of, I, I meant to do 10 questions, but I have like 11. Just like either I call it, uh, I was going to say rapid fire, but you don't have to say like one word or one sentence. But, so you can elaborate a little bit. But I thought we'd kind of close out. Cause, um so I can let you get to dinner, and talk, I've talked for forever, oh, but it's so great though this is awesome I had a really good time you oh good, I love it um well yeah, so here's our here's our ten quest kind of shorter ten question, um and some of this is about smallville, some of it's not, so number one, what are you currently reading either fanfic or literature
1: oh uh I'm basically just reading fanfic. Like, uh, I'm currently reading, in like the, the Chinese drama stuff is is basically, and a little Japanese drama. Um, Guardian is the thing I'm is Guardian series. Guardian. If you're gonna get into Chinese drama, Untamed, the Untamed is a series everyone is going for. I would actually recommend something called The Sleuth of the Ming Dynasty, but Guardian's really low budget and unbelievably slashy. Like, but, but the, yeah, the, it's 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 it, it's based on an actual. Uh, a Don May, so it's uh, is a is a is an MM romance novel. So the series is technically not romance because China does censorship, so they're not allowed to show it. Right. As yeah, that's what actually. This is the thing that people. Are, sorry, this is a tangent. Oh, the go Chinese
0: drama. If you've been seeing China, I don't know if you've been seeing Chinese drama around. It's kind of been swallowing a whole. I haven't. My my have I have some friends that would talk about Korean drama, but not Chinese drama. Korean drama's
1: been coming too. It's the last couple of years C drama, Chinese drama's gotten big because in China, the biggest some of the most popular works they have are these web novels that are original MM. And they are various levels of graphic just because that's that's actually restricted too. But China has intense censorship laws. Oh yeah. Um, and they are not allowed to show at this point, they're not allowed to show like homosexual relationships on TV. So they are, but the most popular, some of the most popular properties they have with re, with like readerships and like half billion kind of thing are these web novels that are romance, that are full on just romances. And so they are adapting them into TV shows in which the romance is subtext, which is one of the things that makes gosh. it so appealing to fans, except for it's barely subtext because <laughs> they're not really changing anything except for taking out the kissing and sex. So there is no, they don't try to make it hetero. There is no, they don't put het romance into it. They just tell the story and leave out the part that they're actually sleeping together and instead say, oh, they're really, really, really good friends. Um, so <laughs> like, <laughs> in in several different cases pined for each other for like 16 years or 10,000 years in the series I'm into um and, and and they're willing to die for each other and they'll do anything and they
0: it's right up your alley really yeah
1: it's very <laughs> it's a, lot, a lot of it and this is the reason why there's a whole bunch of old school fans because it's sort of like if you're it's like those like 90s and dramas that you used to watch that used to be like you we know, fast forward through all this ridiculous nonsense plot to get to like the five minutes of character stuff it's like that except for it's like five times as much of the character stuff there's one That's episode awesome. of my favorite, my show is Guardian there's one episode that like he brings him home. He's like, he finds him sick on the street because he's got a stomach thing and he brings him home and is like tenderly taking off his shoes and tucking him into bed and feeding him and cleaning his apartment and things. And that's just most of the episode.
0: Um, Oh, man, that's awesome. And they're incredibly pretty, too. So that's always nice. So the scenery is nice.
1: And the other thing is the Asian stuff in general knows very much how to play to the female uh, psyche for what we want to see. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway, that's what I'm into now. Oh, that's awesome. Um, well, that might be related, but uh, second question is, any current or future writing projects that you want us to keep an eye out for? Uh, actually, the thing I'm writing now I'm is not in that fandom. The thing I'm writing now is in a fandom that
1: I might not be coming publicly out about being into. So oh, that's that, fine. That, that, I might be, if I post it, it's probably going to be posted anonymous. Um, yeah, cool. I'm pretty excited about it. But,
0: yeah. um, number three, name one a uh, fig recent or not on your bookmarks list that you can think of. And you can pull it up if you want to. I don't know if you do bookmarks on AO3. I do do
1: bookmarks on AO3. Oh, uh, oh gosh.
0: Just kind of a, something you would maybe recommend or. That For Smallville, I would actually recommend
1: I'd go, I'd, the identical series I talked about before. Oh, perfect. Got that bookmarked, so yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, this might be sort of the same question then. Name one of your favorite Smallville stories of all time yeah identical
1: is one of my the other one is um oh what is it i think it's the butterfly effect and i can't remember who it's by
0: that sounds familiar it's a short fic it's just
1: about like that's another one that's another one that i like like my fic was pulling on um we didn't talk about contingencies contingencies is actually kind of
0: oh we didn't talk about Oh, my – well, please read Contingencies. It's – so I – what I do for these interviews is I, like, print out stuff on paper because I like to make notes. And I was at my parents' house last night and my sister was right there. And she's really been into, like, more of the Batman world, the Batfam and Jason Todd and Dick Grayson stuff. Um But I was like – but she's read some collects. And I was like, you have to read this. So I handed her – and it's fun because it was longer. So I printed it out in this, like, booklet form. I'm just holding this up to the camera. So it's, like, a little book. Um – and she just sat there like totally engrossed and she was like reading her favorite parts and and I was like, I know, I know. And it's just that beautiful like – yeah, it's the perfect like sort of one perk comfort and it's like basically – we won't go to, into this too deeply, but yeah, Lexa's dying and it's from – it's pulled right from canon. It's that sort of brainiac disease that Martha gets. Um, But it's like, oh my god. And Martha is just wonderful in it. Like she's this – she Lex is essentially like dying. He's trying to give Clark the tools to save the world. Um, but Clark's still angry at him. But Martha's like, um, Clark, honey, like, uh, you should probably be here. And Clark a couple times is kind of like, what does he want? Forgiveness. And she's like, I don't even think he wants that. Like, he just wants basically to not be die alone. Yeah. And then it's like everything that sort of like indulgently that you want to sort of see these characters go through but it's beautiful and it actually has it is plotty for you and um, you know and it's a happy ending and, the, and there's sort of a villain and an adventure and there's sassy the the stuff in the fortress where like Clark initially goes they're like is there a cure and Jorall's like nope and then he ends up coming back later and he's like ask a specific question and Jorall's kind of like well, technically, and you're like fucking Jarrell, but that's exactly what Jarrell is like in the show. Like, oh, yeah. he kind of looks down on humans, and especially Lex. Probably he would, and um, it's a beautiful story, though. Oh my gosh, I that one. That one is like my one of my more indulgent ones. Like, uh, yeah, it's it. But it's not like indulgent to the point of like not good. I mean, there's lots of fake that you can read that's totally self indulgent. to the point, like, I think there's a indulgence while still keeping things in character and giving the readers sort of what they want
1: that's actually something I I, 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 I like a lot I have multiple fic in, in several fandoms that come about because I'm like I want this really intense scene and I'm like but these characters wouldn't normally do this so Like, uh, contingencies is very much like I want them to have this conversation but they're not just going to have it on their own, you can't just that's that, that, it's not really going to be in character for Lex to just throw show up and start telling Clark these things, even though I really really want them to happen. So instead, you're like, yeah, you wump him, you hurt him, you you get him a little like delirious out of fever, a little out of his mind. He's going to start saying things that maybe he wants to say but doesn't know who he's saying them to. And
0: oh, uh, when he calls out for his mother and it's Martha, like that kills me. This is very because I, I think I say it in the, in the
1: notes of that one because there were several thick in the first couple seasons it was a popular trope to have Lex was like Lex is in dire straits he comes up I think this is my he, he, he goes to he, he goes to the Kents because he's in trouble and he doesn't have any and that's the thing he doesn't have any friends so <laughs> if he gets in trouble he has no one else if he is he needs help and, and he needs someone he can trust he has no one else to go to <laughs> except for the Kents even though Clark cares about him his parents maybe kind of hate him but That's the only place he can go. So he he goes there and, and there's a first in the first season. It's like their relationship is a lot better. So it's a lot easier for him to just get in. And I'm looking at, and I was just looking at the butterfly effect and I can't find it. It might not be on AO3. Um, like, I'll try uh, to google around for that too. Yeah, I can't remember who the writer is. It's a short it's a short fic and it's just like l- the the basic idea is that Lex g- gives himself a drug. He finds a way to make a drug that allows him to see the future. So he gets like in first season there's that person that can see visions of the future and he sees the vision of what he's going to turn into and is like and he's still like he's kind of drugged out of his mind and trying to and he ends up sort of wandering and he ends up with the kents and he's sort of like trying to talk about that and they're trying to work out what's going on and it's just oh, a, I'll try
0: it's, to find that
1: it's such a good story um but it's uh but that's the but it's but there was multiple fic that had that idea and i love them every time because it's like it's not just about it's clark and lex i love them but it's also you want Clark, you want Lex to have like a good family life as part yeah. of the thing he's like, not that's only that's why he's wanted, friends, but he has no family and he's wanted it so badly. And it's sort of like, and the, and the Kents are like the ideal family and they're really like, they can be, that's the thing that makes identical so good is because the Kents are major characters and it. Like a whole bunch of it is from like Jonathan Martha's point of view. And they're what you want them to be. They're like, they're, 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 they have like some hang ups and some issues and they're like, well, they're worried about Clark, but they also just, they're really good people and they really want like the best for people. And when they realize how deep in trouble Lex is, they like, they want to help him too. And they're, they have a balance thing of sort of like, and they start to realize that Lex and Clark are getting together and they're kind of like, on the one hand, okay, Lex is actually a much better person than we thought he is, but on the other hand, they're still so young and Clark is so young and this is his first, and this is obviously a relationship that is really, really deep and meaningful and could go somewhere and then so they're like, try to, but they're also sort of taking, but they're sort of starting to think, see Lex as like a, a son-in-law and taking him in. Anyway, I love and that. Contingencies and- is like that, but... Much when Lex has gone a lot dark, more dark side, and so it's like it's a lot. It's it, it can't be as fluffy or as, yeah. as, as nice, but it's still got sort of that elements of that.
0: Yeah, and with elements of that free falling and the subterfuge verse. But anyway, free falling. I I read recently just a couple of weeks ago, and I think I left you a comment. And it's oh, uh, I just yeah, that's all you want for Lex is like to be able to go like to a home and be taken care of for a second. Um, yeah, for I hadn't read the whole subterfuge yet, but. Um, that one, I th- I think just the death of Superman kind of description got me and I was like, oh, I have to read this. And it's, oh, yeah. You just want likes to be able to go home and get taken care of. Um, okay, let's see. Next. Oh, this is a fun one. You get one of Superman's powers. Which one is it? Oh, my God.
1: Uh, it's cliche, but I have to just go with flying. I just, I, I, I want to fly. I have to. I have yeah. to. I want to. I want to be able to fly. I want to be able to, like, like also just, I mean, If I can have the flying, especially with the super speed part of flying, so I can go to anywhere in the world,
0: especially right now, being able to travel again. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, Yeah, I have
1: friends around the world I would go visit.
0: Yeah, and I love that line in the show, uh, do you believe a man can fly, Clark? Like, isn't that just an iconic line? Like, Because there's something inspiring about – someone else said in some comic book documentary I was watching, like, Superman is just – it's something about the power of of flight without, like – a rocket pack or a magic ring, like he can just—that's just that's throw just, yourself out there. Yeah, and just, yeah that's
1: what magic. Well, you can do in dreams sometimes, so it's yeah, that's it's cool.
0: Um, who is your Lois Lane? Erica Durance, Marco Kidder, somebody else? Do you have a favorite Lois?
1: Um, I actually really liked the was it Erica in Smallville? Like I yeah, actually yeah. really liked her a lot. Um, but I uh, I watched Lois and Clark way back when.
0: Oh yeah, um, Terry
1: Hatcher. Terry Hatcher, that was it. So like, she's. If I picture Lois Lane, I think she's probably the one that just comes into my mind. Also, this is the thing that's confusing about me being Clex is because I did watch Lois and Clark, and I shipped them very much. in Lois and Clark, I think I liked the Lex on that too, actually. But he was more complicated. But I didn't give mm-hmm. him. So it's like, so I've and like I said, I'm an OTPer, so it's actually really weird for me to have two like divergent pairings like that's actually difficult for me to arrange in my head and sometimes it will end up in a threesome in my head but um
0: Not but bad yeah thing. it's
1: like but actually that's the thing is Smallville's Lois I actually really liked her like when I saw of her she was she she had a great attitude I really wanted her and Lex to actually become friends like I thought that would uh, be
0: so much sass we it's a, there there's a little discord if you're ever interested I'll send you the link we have a little Clex discord of like there's maybe like six to ten active people, maybe, but some somebody we were talking about how fun it is to occasionally find a Lex Lois thick just because it's so like sassy and uh, bitchy. Like they're, they're like, there's a lot of sass in that relationship. They would
1: have they would. I I, I had the thick I never wrote. I actually had a, I had a series kind of planned out. There would be an alternative sixth season, and it would be that Lois and Lex started working together to solve the mysteries of what was going on. And that would have, and, and yeah, and that she would kind of like help save Lex. So actually, yeah.
0: I love that. Um, Who is, this might be an obvious one. Who is your Clark Kent? Is it Tom Welling, Christopher Reeve? Do you have another ideal kind of Clark Kent? Clark Kent is
1: hard. I, I, Probably it is Christopher Reeve, Christopher Reeve actually because I saw the Superman when I was way young and Superman 2 especially I know I got really into I actually can't remember much about it right now but I know I was super into it yeah actually in because I was watching a, a Supergirl I haven't I'm like a few seasons like a couple seasons behind right now but actually Tyler Hoechlin and that was a great Clark
0: yeah Superman and Lois uh, they just started the new this new CW series of Tyler Hoechlin. I can't remember the lowest lane, but it's pretty, it's pretty good. I, I haven't
1: seen, it. I haven't, I've, I used, like I said, I was, I used to be watching like all of the CW, the Arrowverse, that kind of stuff. And a couple of seasons, I, I, I I'm like a few seasons behind partly it went a little weird. And also I just got distracted with other things.
0: So. um, um, If you want, if you watch the pilot, um, I, I almost like went uh, your, let's see your story, which we didn't talk about, but this mortal coil, there's a bit in the pilot, sort of one of the opening scenes with Martha, that's like, I was like, did they read this mortal coil and then write that pilot? Because you get kind of Martha in trouble in the farmhouse and Clark hears it and goes after her. And This
1: um, mortal coil is like the fic, if I could show random like Smallville writers or comic book writers or something that, that it would, if there was ever an opportunity, that, like you could show them your fic or something, that would be the one I would give people sort of like that's like I – Inter- I think it's like an in, not as a fanfic, but sort of sort of as a transformative work, really, as an independent thing. It's I think it's actually it works well as a, as a story. Uh, it's just like it works
0: great. So, um, you should, b- just because, and I know we're wrapping up, but I'm just gonna read real fast my fa- the part I had highlighted to read from this Mortal Coil uh, without ruining it. Clark hears Martha basically call out Clark's name. He hears her collapse, but he can't get there because he's taking care of um, this monsoon in India. And then he shows up finally, and Martha's okay, but she's in the hospital. And he finds out that Lex is taking care of it, like she's in the hospital because of that. So, And then Clark and Lex have a little conversation, and clearly things aren't great with them. This is like post-Riff. They are enemies. But this is great. This is uh, them talking about kind of the, the identity of Superman. So here's Lex. Do you know how important she is? Lex's voice was hardly above a whisper. How important they all are. But she's one of the most important, the only one who calls you by name, even when you're in that get-up. Maybe she's all that holds you here, who can let you make believe you're really human. Once she's gone, what's Clark Kent but your mask? Just something you put on to fool people, give you a break between saving the world, and otherwise there's only the alien left. And when the alien finally comes to need no more time off, what's left to preserve us weak mortals from his power? When will we have a chance to be human, to hate and fear and make mistakes with Superman's shadow always over us? You said you didn't do it for me, Clark said. I lied. Lex's laugh was brittle. You should know now by Clark. I always lie. Which is perfect. And I feel like that's actually kind of nice as we're wrapping up because that's like a lot of what we're talking about with Lex's attitude towards Superman. And that's a great scene, though. I love that
1: that's the, that's like one of the compelling things about them is that part that like, yeah, like Lex loves Clark and hates Superman. And yes. because he hates, because he hates everything that Superman, because Superman is, is like an icon and he, he, he he's not even represented. He is a thing. He's this he's a force. He's not like a, he, he's not a person. He's, he's, he's a force that's just dangerous and he hates that. Yes. And then he loves Clark and in his head, he wants to hate Clark too, because that would make everything easier, but he can't because mm-hmm. they have too much there. Uh, And he needs Clark as much as Clark needs him. Um, Yeah, that's, that's,
0: that's awesome. Um, Last question. Who is your Lex Luthor and why is it Michael Rosenbaum? (laughs) Okay.
1: This is not Clancy Brown's Lex Luthor in the Uh, Justice League League Unlimited. I'll give you that one. Fucking amazing. He is like, he is actually probably my real Lex Luthor because he is, and he is not the good guy. He's evil. He is a genius. He's like, he can't He's like, I, I, I that, that, that there's a line about him becoming president of the United States because I wouldn't do it because it'd be a step down.
0: Why, why would I give up that much power or something? Yeah, he's, and, and at that point, he's combining with Brady Akins completely lost his mind, but uh, minor problem.
1: Um, yeah. but, uh, I will say that the Justice League Lex is voiced by Michael Rosenbaum at one point because. Michael, because you, you know, the great brain robbery is Michael Rosenbaum was voicing Flash. He does a fantastic job with Flash. He does he amazing does. Flash. I love Wally. And because he was also playing Lex, they decided to do an episode in which they swap. Uh, they, they do body swap. And so Lex's brain is in Flash and Flash's brain is in Lex. And usually in cartoons, when they body swap like that, they'll change the voices. And they didn't change the voices because they wanted to have Michael Rosenbaum getting to voice that Lex Luthor. <laughs> And so he, which is amazing which is the part when he comes out of the he, he's he, he's in the bathroom in like henchmen in like villain headquarters and the other villain who's with him is like you're not going to wash your hands and he's like no because i'm evil <laughs> <laughs> i love that so much <laughs> anyway so so they, so i guess you can sort of say it's michael rosenbaum plays him a bit um but yeah so yeah so so that is actually that's my ultimate lex is that and he's like self-destructive and destructive to everything else and a genius and he's he's amazing um in terms of squishy wooby lex michael rosenbaum of course is oh yeah
0: amazing at that it actually kind of a perfect like the two sides sort of of lex like your evil sort of comics animated series lex and then sort of the human humanized yeah. Humanized, the humanized one in which you feel like Yes he makes so many mistakes and he gets A lot wrong but he's trying
1: and He has such a heart and Do you want things to go better for him Than they do and he's also Crazy hot for some Michael Rosenbaum Like as a person is just he's really cute He's like, like he's, good looking. I mean, he's, like, he's really good looking For some reason he's it's like he transforms into this, like, there's no way someone that's like a skinny, pale, bald
0: guy should be look like that. And yet he does. <laughs> it's like the way that he moves and his voice. And I think because he's bald, you see like his jawline. Yeah, he's incredibly sexy. Like it's like you're like it's like it should not
1: work that well Why? how does it work that well and but it does and the little has of like licking his lips when he's looking at clark which mm-hmm. michael um no one convinced me was not playing it because very early on, i think he decided yeah one of lex's things is that he is he's attracted to clark it's not just that he's fascinated by him there is some of this some of this fascination is a physical fascination and he plays that and
0: yeah oh yeah remember that in um in the episode Red, where Clark comes over in that giant coat, and there's a literal once-over. Yes, he like looks <laughs> him up and down. And you're like, uh-huh, you're lingering. You're taking the lawn route there. Uh-huh. It's like, "Hey, Clark." <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. It is beautiful. Well, this has been beautiful. Um, thank you so much for talking with me. Um, thank you, I- thank you so much for reaching out. It was a. Uh- I've had a great time. This is gonna be a this episode's gonna be a mess, I think. Oh, oh it's gonna be so much fun though. Yeah, do you have any questions for me?
1: I don't r re- I, I probably, but nothing I can think of.
0: <laughs> That's okay. Well and I'm also trying to get some other small authors on, so hopefully you'll get to listen to them. So
1: T is one of my favorites in the fandoms.
0: I know. I'm supposed to talk to her next weekend, so fingers crossed. So, and I do have to say, I have because I haven't read any of your fic
1: because I haven't read, I, I have not been reading Cobra Kai fic because I have other things. Um, but I. I really enjoyed listening to it. It was fun listening to the show, even not knowing Cobra, like getting to know Cobra Kai fandom was just really fun because it's, it's. I I watched the show and I really enjoyed the show, but you know, there's a difference between you watch a show, at least for me, sometimes I watch a show and just like, oh, I'm watching a TV show and sometimes I'm watching a show as a fan and fanning on it. And so Cobra Kai, I was watching, It's like, I really enjoyed it. It was really fun, but it was just that thing. And then, But I didn't do, like, the deep character analysis of, like, the way they were looking at the characters, looking seeing their parallels. And so hearing you, like, listening to your show, listening to you guys talk about it was just really, it was fun.
0: Oh, thank you. It's a fun fandom.
1: It sounds like there's massive amounts of HC in it so I might check it out sometime.
0: Yeah, anything by Libertine Past and she's a hoot. She's so funny. You probably listen to her episode. That's her thing is like womp and hurt comfort. So, yeah, she's a doll. We both get a little bit tipsy in that episode too, which is fun. It's like it's like almost 3 hours long. Like it's I think it's a long one. And Brianna too, she does a one called a walk in the woods
1: wait, before she even mentioned like the womp and such, I was like this is sounding very HC just a little bits bit. you the preferences she's been dropping and then she's like oh, yes. yeah.
0: Her, yeah, hers – she's got one that she's been working on for a few years, but then um, Libertine Pass a bunch of fun stuff that I think you would like, so.
1: Somet- sometime when I have, like, not a million other things that I should want to be reading, so.
0: Yeah. Well, also, I'm like I said, I'm I'm trying to finish it before I start posting because it's going to be a long one, but I do have a Clex fake in the works. So – and it's kind of like – my view of it is, like, it's my love letter to these authors such as yourself – who have, like, established his beautiful bodies of work, so... Um, so is it future fic, or is it, like, what... It's, like, 20... Yeah, it's, like, future fic. It's a Connor fic, so um, Connor's being raised... Connor Luther is being raised by Lex, and it's 2020, and he's, like, 15, and so it's about him getting to meet Clark for the first time. Um, it's sort of due to circumstances, they have to... Lex, sort of to protect Connor, has to move back to Smallville, and Lex is, like... Does not want anything to do with Clark, obviously, and Clark's just like he's like oh, I want to know my son, and you know, and so Cla- Connor kind of brings them together, and then, um, yeah, so it's like s- self indulgent, like Connor effect, but it's like there's some like COVID kind of quarantine, like Lex is developing a vaccine, and so there's some like sort of modern stuff I'm trying, I'm trying to do anyway. We'll see how it goes, but, that sounds, um,
1: Oh, I, I, I will definitely, like I said, Clex is one of the fandoms that I even I'll drop other stuff. I'm like, Ooh, good Clex pick. I'll read
0: that. <laughs>
1: so, uh, I will definitely have to check it out. When you put- uh,
0: awesome. Well, thank you for joining me once again. Thank you for having me. It was awesome talking to you.